0: Welcome to the Strength Coach Experience podcast. podcast. I'm your host, Joe Lego. And here we, and here we go. Go, go, go. Uh, welcome everyone to the Strength Coach Experience episode number fifty-two. Uh, I hope everybody's having a good week. Summer's kind of winding down today. I want to welcome Roger Gonzalez. I had the pleasure of being on Roger's podcast. So Roger is a former catcher uh, with the A's. Uh, he is currently in medical school, and he has a podcast which is called Roger Gets Real. And as I said, I had the pleasure of being on uh, the podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, we had a great conversation, and you know everything kind of hit. We actually had to stop. Roger, after about four hours, uh, you know, we didn't want to, so maybe do a second one. So Roger, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. And I'm happy to get going on, on my podcast. And I, I appreciate again, you having me on yours. Uh, and now, you know, we get to talk again.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited. I'm excited. I know, I know you and I get along very well and I feel like we have a lot of good things to share and a lot of education that, um, some people can learn about. So excited to see what happens.
0: Exactly, man. A lot of dynamics, you know, and, and the more you do this, you know, you're just starting out, uh, right? You're on 10 or 11, I believe, you know, so you, you've you started the journey, you know, you plug the headphones in, as they say. Um, so let's just go through your background a little bit, you know, and, and how you kind of got started in in baseball, obviously, and then, you know, kind of going over into uh, medicine, and then and then we'll round off of where you are now.
1: Yeah, so I'll make my story kind of short-ish, because it's, it's long, and every single phase of my life has had something. So um, we were. I was born in Cuba, came over when I was five. So my pops actually left Cuba when I was three because of the whole communist, communistic regime and Castro and all that stuff. Um, both my parents were Cuban cardiologists. And the reason why I say that is because it was so bad in Cuba, how things were. My parents used to make twenty dollars a month. Oh, wow. Just kind of just kind of leave that there. Uh, they were open. My, my dad was an open heart surgeon kind of guy and he was making $20 a month. He was a coffee smuggler. He was a taxi driver and at night he would do surgery just to put food on our plates. So he got fed up with that real quick, as I'm sure everybody would have after 15 years of studying. He was, that was his life. So he went to Venezuela for a while, left there, um, found a way to get here. Uh, actually interesting story is the way I got here. So in Cuba, there's a thing called the Cuban lottery. So the way that works is you apply for it. Instead of applying for the lottery like you do here and you just win a, you know, crap ton of money, what you win is a visa to leave the country. But in Cuba, the way it is, is it's controlled. So they only give it to the people who don't have money because you still need to pay for flights, paperwork, all that stuff. So because of who my, my parents were and, you know, they helped people out and whatnot, they met a lot of people. Um, and one of my dad's friends won the lottery so long story short my mom divorced my dad married this guy family came over uh things kind of happened, and then now my family's back so we'll just leave it at that to kind of leave out the details but so i uh, came here when i was five we grew up um my dad had a very famous saying when we went because i came here with my brother who my brother's 15 at the time and i was i was five um my parents decided to what what which the code is, my dad decided to put down his white coat so his kids could pick it up one day um, because they felt like if they had to go through the route again, we wouldn't have had a childhood. So um, many years went on. Uh, I actually started playing baseball because I wanted to be like my brother. My brother loved baseball his whole life. He he played it back in Cuba with you know what you see in Dominican Republic, the the sticks and the bottle cap. That's what he played. That's how he was. And I just wanted to be like him. So I just started to play. I was not very good at first, and around 12, 13 years old, I started to long toss a lot, like a lot, and I just started to work really, really hard. And all of a sudden I started to take massive peaks. And that's the moment that I kind of started to realize, Hey, I'm not, I'm a little better than the average person. And I just kept working harder and harder. And I was, st- I mean, till today I'm five, seven and three quarters on a good day, you know? <laughs> um, So I always knew how to out- outwork guys. And I had to um, you know, work hard in the gym and whatnot. And that journey went on. I just kind of played this and that. And then I was in high school, my freshman year, I was actually playing like practicing with a varsity team during that stint. And my freshman year, I did not make the team. I was like in JV, barely playing, went back to freshman ball. And it was just like politics and that stuff of the game till I got really frustrated. And I mean, I was hitting like 450, 500, like I was killing it. And the point, the reason why I bring this up, because it's a lesson for kids to learn. And I say it in almost every single one of my podcasts is you should play where somebody wants you to play, not where you want to play, because that was a problem. I had all my friends there and I wanted to play there, but the coaches didn't want me. So, um, I started to make some phone calls or not me, my parents started to make some phone calls. And all of a sudden, um, one of my coaches knew another coach. I did a workout for them for you know Florida Christian, which I actually had my uh my head coach here, my high school head coach on one of my podcasts. And um I went from one weekend the weekend before not playing on a JV team to the next weekend making the 16 new national uh trials. So it went from like not even playing to was presented in front of a couple guys and I mean it was just kind of not luck but everything worked out. I did three throws to second base that game or it was a showcase and two out of the three was a one, a flat, um, at 16 years old. And that just caught everybody's eyes. I mean, I could, I had three throws and I made two of them. Perfect. Like Mm -hmm. that's just kind of luck, you know? And then that moment changed my whole life. I mean, uh, about a month after that, that was just the junior Olympics here in Jupiter. But after that, um, uh, I was in California with Francisco Lindor, Alba Amora, um, you know timmy lopez like guys jesse winker like guys that are dudes in the league right now Mm -hmm. um just right next to them and i mean that changed my whole life like i I can't keep saying that enough and it was just the opportunity to, to to play for somebody who cared and wanted to showcase me and wanted to put me out there because he believed in me so that went along i ended up going to university of miami out of out of high school um things didn't work out there um I left there, uh, went to Juco route. I always wanted to get back to division one. So I ended up going to Winthrop university in South Carolina. After that played there two years. Um, and then in 2017 got drafted, uh, and then played two years in minor league ball every single year, since my junior year of high school, I was hurt every single year. I had back injuries. I had shoulder injuries. I popped the rib out of place. I popped my scap out of place. I popped my hamstring. I played with a broken hand. Like it just, it goes, it goes. So I feel like that had a lot to do with um, my passion for f- like medicine and sports medicine and educating and learning and strength coaching and all that kind of stuff. So um, after two years of that, I, I got tired of the injuries and a couple other things happened. Um, so I requested my retirement and uh, went on to med school and now I'm in my third year of medical school. So that's kind of the brief every single face of that has its own story, but I mean, we can go on for days talking about the whole thing, you know? So.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I I think it's a great story. And that's kind of crazy with the, you know, the lottery, just everybody listening, you know, we, we, we take things for granted. I think in light of everything going on, right. I mean, I've said it before, it's almost like there's certain people now that they just get up and they're aggravated about everything that happens the second they walk out of their house. And then when you hear stories like yours, you know, and your parents, uh, you know, I hope that gives a little bit more of appreciation for what's going on. You know, imagine, you know, going to school, right, working your whole life, being a cardiologist, not like a dent, you know, nothing's wrong with dentists, but, you know, like a, a full on, you know, heart doctor operating all that stuff. And then you have to do other things be, to provide for your family because it's not respected. And then when you come here, uh, you know, having, you know, making the decision to kind of give that up, you know, and almost starting a whole other life because they knew, you know, we can't spend another 15 years or whatever going through that school. So I think that's a great story as well as a great lesson, Um, you know, and I I think it's great that, you you know, you kind of brought up. You never really, you know, you want to play where it's wanted, right? And I think just that in in terms of sports, but also in terms of everything else, right? You want to make sure where you go, when you go places, right? I can bring up the same thing for me. When I was in college, I, I did a JUCO route as well, And I wasn't a good student, right? All throughout high school, like I got by, but it wasn't my thing. And it wasn't until I got to, you know, LIU, but that place was the first place where people really kind of understood me, right? Had confidence in what I did. and, And then I was able to thrive thanks to the, you know, all those teachers and the people there that I still talk to today. And, and I, you know, I, the podcast wouldn't be, you know, a thing without them or, you know, a lot of the people in there, but, you know, I think just to, to bring it back, it's, just appreciate what you're doing, you know, and and what you have, especially being in the United States. You know, I think it's one of those things where everybody should try to go and talk to people from other places that grew up. You know, one of the things about being in the minor leagues was you start to understand what actual hardship and things of that sort are. You know, you think you have it bad because you moved to Florida or, you know, you have a day where something happened and then you realize that, you know, there's a whole bunch of other things that everybody else is going through that are far worse than you know what you're doing, and and I think you know there's always a quote out there that's on Instagram probably like once a week, but you know somewhere out there somebody's begging for for the life that you're ha- that you have or or just to have one more day like yours because you know something bad happened. So I think we can never ever take anything for granted, and and I'm so happy and thankful you you shared that story. And just a little side note for the viewers out there about how crazy baseball is. I was at roger's last game because his last game was in brooklyn with the cyclones we didn't know each other at the time but we played together i i'm pretty sure you played against me probably one three or four times and you know long behold you're you know we talked the first time your last game was at cyclone stadium so i was across the across the diamond in the dugout
1: yeah absolutely i mean it's the world is small it's crazy and and like you said, man, it's it's we sometimes we take things for granted. And I and I always share my story with Cuba because um, especially in America, we are we are so fortunate. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, there's a lot of things going on and a lot of people, we don't agree with a lot of things, whether, you know, whichever way you want to go about it in politics, which we're not going to talk about. But it's we're we're very fortunate. I mean, I, I, I can tell you a couple more things. My grandfather was a political prisoner. My grandfather was put on death row for just saying Fidel Castro just from saying those words. And I mean, we have flags here that say F both the current president and the old president, and they're fine. So, you know, that you, you're putting on death row for that. And and just so many things like you can never imagine. I, there's another big story that, I mean, usually when I say it, it brings tears to my eyes because the day that I was born, again, I came from, you know, two very educated people that spend their whole lives studying. And the day I was born, things were so bad. It was called el, el period especial, which is the special period. Of Cuba, um and things were so bad that there was no gas. there was no nothing. My dad had a special like a rum bottle that he was he was hitting and it was it was full of gas, just in case the day that I was born, if anything was gonna like happen, we had that to make it to the hospital so that you know I could still make it so again, it's like th- those kind of people that have dedicated their lives to be able to do that um should never kind of struggle like that or not even be put in those positions where you know, they're pl- they're playing with maybe their kid cannot even be born or, or something can go wrong. And that's just how it was. And and everything that my dad did in Cuba was illegal. Like he was putting himself in positions to go to jail every single day. Like you couldn't you couldn't sell coffee. You couldn't sell, sell pigs. You couldn't be a ta- like a taxi driver. Like everything was controlled, but it was his only way of providing for the family. So it just it kind of just it was what it was, you know, and we're yeah. very grateful and God bless America.
0: Yeah, man. but that's phenomenal. Yeah. I I couldn't imagine, you know, having to do that. And, you know, just, you know, being having to hold gas so you can make it to the hospital, you know, and things like that, you know, and I feel like, again, things are taken for granted. You know, people get mad about stuff or people get mad about what person is is doing this or what people say, you know, and it's all on. And and the other thing is, you know, and, and not to go down the political route, but just to bring it up, it's on television. You know, if you turn the TV off, we're still able to kind of make our decisions. It's only in the social media and the television realm. So it's not like it's in your face, right? It's not like you go outside and somebody's telling you what to do, like, like you experience, you know, it's almost similar to, uh, you know, North Korea, you know, I, the Joe Rogan experience, they had the podcast with a, with a woman from who, who came from, from North Korea. And she told a similar, you know, similar story about, about all the, the craziness. And I think it, I always said, you know, it's important that people listen to things like that because, we, we take things for granted. You know, we get mad about the news and, and all these things, but you're still able to live in your house and go get gas and food and, and all that stuff. And nobody really tells you anything, but you know, in other places it's, it's not like that. You know, even when you, I think, you know, with your parents, you do everything right, right. You go to, you get a, you study for 20 years, you know, you become a doctor something of, of respected high society. And still, if it's, you know, you still have to go and do things that are deemed illegal, if you will, in the, in the country, because, just because of the of the control in the amount of, you know, kind of that total totalitarian uh, state that was there at the time.
1: Absolutely. And there's um, two things that I'll add. One, in Cuba, it started with the media. That's if you if you study any dictatorship, any type of um, regime like that, it starts with media. That's the first oh, yeah. thing they control. And um, which is if you if anybody had been kind of following what happened with Cuba within the last couple of months, that's why we were fighting so much to provide them Internet, to get them. Um, some service and some internet because that's the only way that the government cannot control the media they can't control within each other i mean they they don't have they don't have internet they don't have phones they don't have tv the tv is controlled by them so it's like they don't really know what's going on except what's going on in you know their one mile radius because that there's no cars there's like that stuff is not they're in the 1800s like it's kind of so that's what that's one of the things i wanted to kind of say and then the second thing that i was going to say is My So it's actually interesting. My grandmother had uh, seven seven kids, um, which for my dad's side, the seven of them became doctors and she was a shoemaker. So she was never like she was not an educated woman, but she knew that. And the reason why they became doctors in Cuba, it wasn't for the um, like the stability or the helping or anything like that. It was because in Cuba, that was like the only profession that people owed you favors because you saved their life. So okay. it wasn't even about the money you made. It was about the favors that the people owed you because you, it's kind of like you helped them so much through really hard times that people are just so grateful. And that's how you survived in Cuba. That's how you ate because you helped the local farmer kind of make it through an illness. So he was just grateful and brought you a chicken. And that's the, that's the craziness of the the decision factors that why they chose that career. Mm. And then as they went on, obviously they became more in love with it and whatnot, but that was the deciding factors from an early age on like, why am I going to shift them that way is because it's, you got to survive.
0: Yeah. So it's not even for, you know, status, if you will, it's, you have more opportunities to barter and you have more opera, you have a, you have a a tradable service, if you will, exactly kind of the highest level, you know, giving life and and health in order to eat, you know, and and get things like that. Wow. That's, that's incredible. I think that's crazy, huh? Yeah, exactly. It's not even like you're all a doctor. Why, why do you want to be a doctor? I want to make money. I want to save lives, but more so, you know, you have a good salary and and all those things. And then here, you know, you have another situation in another country where, you know, that's only 80 miles away from, from the US, not that far. It's not like it's in, you know, Antarctica, where, you know, you, that's, that's incredible. Like I said, I, it's, uh, I I appreciate you sharing that. And it's, um, you know, kind of a wild story. But again, being thankful, you know, for, for everything we can do. I mean, we go on a podcast, right. We can talk about things, you know, you can mm-hmm. kind of chop stuff up and go through things. And I think that's just something that, that we have to work on, you know, just as a whole, whether left, right, or whatever, it's just, you know, learning what to get mad at really. And, and, and what not to get mad at, you know, I, I don't, Absolutely. I've always said it, there's no point waking up and being angry, you know, and, and once you, turn that around, if you will, it, it makes things a lot, you know, a lot easier, you know, about things when you start to appreciate things, you know, I've always said, you know, you read all, you know, the secret about the universe and stuff, but I, I believe all that stuff is true. Uh, because if you're negative, everything's going to be negative, right? Or if you have a negative outlook, why would anything good happen to you? And I, maybe it's more so that if, if you have a negative outlook, regardless if it's good or bad, if you look at it negative, it's going to be a negative, you know, Absolutely. where I think as if you appreciate, the little things and you try to find the positive in everything, you know, and not that you should walk around and, you know, be oblivious to things because you are allowed to be negative and and get mad about things, but it's more of being able to, you know, appreciate there. And then I think as the rewards get bigger and bigger, I, I think that, you know, you have more of an appreciation because you go into everything, whether it's big or small with appreciation so I don't think it's you know you're getting more and more be- because I think it's the mindset and eventually when when the big stuff happens you're you're so thankful on the smaller things that you've kind of learned to to be humble but also thankful you know when the things start happening because you don't let it kind of derail you I think that's more what what they talk about when they refer to those things.
1: No absolutely and I also add to that cuz I I wrote it down as we were kind of talking was um you choose your surroundings and choose your surroundings of support and kind of kind of like you said you know What's the point of being negative every day? But you can take it a step further by saying, Who are the people around me? Are they negative every day? I get to choose who's around me. If I'm around people that are negative, it's just a matter of time before I become negative. So choose people that are going to support you. This is, a, this is a big world, man. I mean, your dreams might seem crazy to somebody else out there, but uh, there's a lot of people that are going to support you. And sometimes it kind of sucks that it's the people closest to you don't see it and don't support you. But there's people out there that believe in your message. And if you believe in yourself and you believe in what you're doing, just keep moving forward you know
0: yeah absolutely it's a great piece of advice and it is it is said you know most of the time it is people close to you but a- again you choose who you you choose you can choose where you live you know you can choose what you do you know and i think that's what with, with the pandemic is should have you know taught everybody i think the lesson is you know it's it's terrible what happened but it's we have to pivot. You know, we, we were just talking about the, the online training and I've touched about it before where it's not that I wanted to train online, but now I've learned. And now it's, you know, it's something that's, it's starting to grow a little bit and, and something I'm becoming, you know, a uh, rather proficient at, but it's, it's, you have to be able to pivot with the times. And I also think that, you know, if you're a person that sees negative, when things like this happen, what are you going to do? Right. If if you were miserable before the pandemic and then all this stuff happens down, now we have real issues what's gonna happen, you know, and I think that the I, I think it it's not it's it's a society, right? We can talk about it, you know, you talk about, you know, what happened in, in Cuba with your parents and the difference between, you know, they became doctors for, you know, be able to trade and, and provide for the family. Whereas here it's kind of, oh, you want to become a doctor because you know you want to drive around in Mercedes and, and buy the nice house and all those things. I mean, you know, there is also helping and, and and you know, saving lives and those things. But I just think it's it's one of those things where, you know, there's always going to be bad things to happen, right? Murphy's law, anything that can and will go wrong. And I, and I yep. don't say that to be negative, but I think it's, it's just out there to be able to change your mindset. Because when stuff goes wrong that's really bad, you have to be able to pivot. And if you're in a negative mind, it's just going to destroy everything, you know? And, and I think it's important to be, try to be positive regardless of what goes on.
1: And absolutely. And I mean, I can throw it back at you. Like when you started the podcast, how many things went wrong? Like you thought you learned everything you could have, but things, things are going to go wrong. Like it's just part of the learning process. Absolutely. So, you know, you just got to keep, keep moving. Like it is just, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and as you know, you know, that you, you starting a podcast, well, there's a whole bunch of stuff that they don't talk about in any book or all the other things, right. You have audio problems you have. I mean, for me, it's always the toughest thing is, you know, you, you go on Zoom and, and in front of you is a person you've never met, right? And now we're trying to develop a conversation and we're trying to create camaraderie with somebody that we've never seen before in person. And now I'm staring at a computer screen, right? So I yeah. think that that is another dynamic. You know, we spoke about that a lot, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, But I, I think, you know, just everybody listening to that to add to it, it's just there's a lot of things that go into this, you know, and, and I think one of the biggest things is, is learning how to talk to somebody through through a computer screen, you know, it. FaceTime is a whole different thing, too. I think Zoom is its own kind of thing, you know, with the invite and the audio and those things. Right. But then going back to the podcast, it, you know, as I said before, I thought I was going to call people on the phone, record it and then poof, a million followers. Right. And then we find out that it was positive. But but to your point and to me, you know, starting the podcast kind of the, for the same reason. But we want to provide something that's not out there, you know, and I think that is always important when you do things, you know, you see a lot of people you talk about a lot of things and I, I think that's one of the issues with a lot of the books, not that you know the books are bad, but a lot of the help self help things are, you know, this is how you scale your business you start this way you start this way everything is pointed towards dollar signs right and, and not that we don't want to monetize. But I think that you have to take a step back and say, okay, why am I doing this, right? I want to provide us, I want to provide something that's not there and then worry about monetization, right? Because I think a lot of the books I read, oh, you know, your your sample size and your target market and, and all these different things, when in reality, if you're trying to make money before you have an idea... You know, these the, a lot of that stuff is going to work, right? I mean, and you see it every day, right? Every single day, you go on Instagram and some guy wants to send you his course, and he made six figures. You think there's all these people on Instagram? You know, that's another thing with taking everything with a grain of salt. Positive and also using your logic. You think all these people on Instagram just all made seven figures in three weeks, and now they want to hand you their secret? People that yeah. really know how to do that, they're in they're on in Palm Beach right now, not talking to anybody. They're not on the internet yelling about, you know, how many people they scaled or or whatever's going on.
1: No, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it, it is what it is, you know, it's kind of tough because there's so many different things that you got to learn from somewhere. And sometimes you try to learn from online because it's a cheap way. Yeah. Um, but it's just tough. And the other thing, one thing that I, I was, I was trying to remember right now, what I was saying is the difference between books, between books and the podcast. There's to me, there's really two big ones. One you gotta kind of pivot with where society is going. Society mm-hmm. is getting so busy and we're getting so complex with anything that's going on that it's tough to sit down and read a book until unless you like really enjoy to read like unless that's like one of your happy places it's tough mm-hmm. to do that that's one two is the ability to just kind of be moving um and just you know listening to a podcast and three is to actually publish a book takes so long versus you know for example my last podcast i had the uh, the sports psychologist of the oakland a's on and i mean i can't write a book with him that would take years you know but i can have him on and be like hey let's talk about mental health what are tips that you can help people out with this and that you know and we're it the accessibility to be able to network especially with you know the network that we have fortunately built to have people on and to share their years of knowledge is just it's it, it it's it's, a, it's a something that you know you you can't get from a book like it's so I, I think those are really interesting points to kind of realize why, at least for me, why podcasting was so um, lucrative and so helpful and so important, because if you choose to do it the right way and you choose to bring in the right people, um, you can make a huge impact.
0: Absolutely. And I, I also think I want to touch on that point because I'm not a book person, right? I, I read and I get information, but reading for me just because of how you know my brain works, it's not something where... You know, I can uh I my brain just takes off, right? I can read a few pages, but podcasting has been, you know, you can kind of put it on the back burner, right? I mean, we talk about training, you know, I'm a big Louis Simmons over Speedy Centrics guy. I learned all of the Louis Simmons stuff um because I, I had a drive for work and I listened to 30 podcasts in about a month. And then when I ended up coaching a year or two later, I was able to use that stuff strictly from a podcast. So I think it's important you know, and, and he bring and Roger brings up another good point, find out what works for you in the fact we, we talked about it with school, right? You shared your story with baseball and I shared mine with college, but also, you know, the pressure of learning and the stuff, the pressure of learning, uh, you know, and, and being there and everybody's got to read books, got to read books, right? Here's a list of 30 books you should read in the next month, or you should be reading 50 books. And not that that is bad, right? I'm not saying it's bad, but if you're not somebody who reads and you don't relay information or you don't gain information from the book, we have to find another way to learn. Right. And I think that's so important because again, we we talk about everything we get from, from Instagram and TV and all those things. I think one of the other things that kind of takes everything over is you need to create a business idea. You need to have passive income. You need to have nine revenue streams. We need to read books every day. And, and I think that it's, it's just such a it's so overwhelming to certain people, right? I mean, I think, you know, we talk about starting a podcast, right? And one of the best things, advice I've ever gotten is plug your headphones in and start talking. But I think people get stuck in the information, read this book and, and you know, following these people and you get so overwhelmed that you don't even do it because you're so worried about the outcome. As opposed to, I think, you know, and we talk about this in terms of personal growth, you have to start to to kind of learn Or be aware of what type of learner you are or what type of of person you are so that when you want to do things like a podcast, start an online business or all these things, how can I best as an individual, you know, learn how to do these things? Because if you're not a reader, right, and you're reading books on podcasts, not going to help you, right? How can I maximize different things? I mean, you know, I want to talk about it in a second, but you're in medical school. I'm sure everybody in your class they didn't, they don't study the same, right? Everybody yeah, that, has their own.
1: That's exactly what I just wrote down. I've said, I put med, med school, no med student, no, no reading. And you would be surprised by how many fellow colleagues I have that have not opened a single page and have made it through med school. You couldn't have done that 10 years ago because we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have all these different courses and whatnot, but that is the key to med school and i yet to figure it out i still don't know how i study and I, I one thing about me is i'm very very transparent my journey has been a world one and a half um and i'm very honest with it at all points because it's my journey it's nobody else's you know it's it's making me who i am it's part of my process and the networks i've met is because of it so i'm always and i and i feel like what i go through will help somebody else at some point so but yeah there's it's there's some people i have you know one of my best friends mike um Michael Oswell, he went through the whole thing reading every single page that the school told him. I mean, there were some times that he was reading 100, 150 pages every like every two days. He was like, I don't care. That's how I work. I'm going to read. And then, you know, I have other friends that never opened up the text, not even from the first day. They were like, I know that I don't read. It just doesn't make sense to me. The only thing I'm going to read are questions, questions from the exam and questions from practice questions. Other than that, I'm never reading. So, and that's like a high caliber, um, you know, knowledge that's, cons- it's, it's overloading. It's, you know, the, the saying is you're drinking from a fire hose. It's the overload of information, but if you figure out how you absorb it best then just kind of go with it, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. No. And that's great to hear that, that you're able to do those things. Right. Because it used to be, I had friend, you know, I have friends, a few friends that went through it and they would lock themselves in a room for, you know, for three days and just read half of a book, you know, and, and, You know, those things are good, but I think it's great that, you know, finding other ways, right? Because in order to be, to do what we want to do, we have to find other ways. There's not necessarily, um, you know, a right way, but a lot of times, especially with school, right? We talked about it before. It's reading, 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 memorize, 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 and you're really not grasping the, some of the information. I just want to go back now. So for you, where did the, the medical school, you know, come from? Was that because of your parents? Was that something that you kind of wanted to do or is it kind of a encompassing of of all those things that we've talked about so far
1: so it's it's been a lot of it's a roller coaster so um, my parents were obviously in medicine so every house every party every house party we had every Christmas party it was full of doctors that's all they were talking about this patient that this surgery this <laughs> this that that this drug here this mechanism so a lot of the time I didn't understand half of the things they were talking about obviously because it was over my head but now as I as I learned more, I was like, oh, that's the drug they were talking about. Oh, that's a – oh, that's a knot that they were talking about when they were in surgery. Cool. But – so that had a huge part to do with it. Um, and then throughout it with my injuries, I kind of – I had with Dr. Um, Joe Fernandez helped me a lot with my shoulder injury and um, kind of things like that. And I really became – I love knowledge. I love to know it all, um, which is – not realistic, but I love to know a lot. And that had a big part of it. So my, when I, when I went through college, I did my bachelor's in biology because I always knew at some point I was going to get to medicine because that's what I was always around. I didn't really know anything else. um. So I did that. And then I, I lost the love for, for baseball when, when I realized the, not the business of the game. Cause I learned the business of the game back in college, but I realized the lack of control of the game. Like in college, if I produced, I was going to play because it was just my team. There wasn't, you know, three levels ahead of me and a GM that was, you know, overseeing 600 players. So, once I got there and I saw that, you know, I was producing and I wasn't moving and the guy on top of me weren't producing and I it just did and, and I got drafted over them. Yeah, they got a little bit more money cuz they were a you know, junior guy this and that, but it was kind of stuck there. Mm-hmm. I quickly realized and I still to this day believe that I can play in the league. Like I I mean, Two days ago I went to do a catching a catching practice and I threw a 185 to second base without um, throwing a ball for a year and a half. So like I still feel like I have the talent to do it, but I didn't have I, I wasn't willing to spend six years in the minors. I didn't think that my life was um, deserved that. I don't I I felt like great, you spend six years in the minors. Um, you make it to the league, you play one or two years, you make a million dollars, two million dollars. You still have 30, 40 years ahead of you. What are you gonna do now? And for me, with obviously having the pressure from my family and, and, and being around medicine, I was like, and I knowing that, you know, even though I already had my bachelor's in, in biology, I still had about 10 years left of schooling, you know, it's four years of medical school, and anywhere from three to five. So it could be realistically, it's anywhere from, you know, three to, I'm sorry, from anywhere from eight to, to, to like nine years, um, depending on what you choose, if everything goes right, which means you apply to med school, you get in. Uh, you take your boards exactly when you're supposed to, you sit for residency exactly when you're like that, no hiccups, which does never happens. Mm-hmm. So it, it was that part. It was like, all right, Raj, it's time to kind of move on. Um, and then my, my story actually for how I got to med school is pretty crazy in itself because, so my brother went to medical school in the Caribbean, um, which was, he went to a school in the Dominican Republic my whole life. I always thought, you know what? Like, I just got to get there. My brother will help me get in. Like my brother will help me get in. No biggie. And I so I, I I retired from pro ball. Um, went to I, I had a couple of classes missing. I, I I had to do like orgo one, orgo two, physics one, physics two, whatever. Did that. Took the DMcat. Took the MCAT, and I bombed it. Like, I mean, if there's like a ten percent, that's what I got. Yeah. Like, I did horrible. Like, it was so bad. So the moment I saw that, I was like, all right, there's no point in me applying to like state schools because I'm not gonna get in. I know I have a great story and work ethic and all, but my 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 numbers aren't there. So I started applying to, meth- to Caribbean schools. I get rejected from one of them. I get um, I get waitlisted at another one. And all of a sudden, I just Googled for like the hundredth time that I've done that Caribbean medical school. And I swear, I feel like my school, I probably just paid for a running ad at that moment or something had happened and my school popped up and I had never seen it. It was American University of Antigua at the moment. And, and I clicked it and I was like, oh, wow, this seems like a pretty legit thing. Let me give them a call. So I, I, called, I called the school up um, and I'm like, hey, I just found your, I found your school. I'm interested in, in, in applying this and that. The guy's like, yeah, we would love to have you on. But school starts in three days. I was like, oh, OK, cool. Um, but let's say that, you know, I, you that wasn't the case. What would you need? And I don't know why I decided to do this, but I was just like, you know, what would you need? He was like, OK, I need your official transcripts. I need this transcripts and, you know, letters of rec. I was like, OK, cool, cool. I was like, by the way, what's your email real quick? Um, he gives me his email. I was like, "All right, can you check your inbox? Everything you just asked ask for is in your inbox right now." He was like, "Wait, what?" I was like, "Yeah, everything that you you told me, I've had everything ready. I just I, I just found you guys now, and everything's in your inbox. So if there's anything you can do to get me in school, um, I would really appreciate it." And he was like, blown away. He was like, "Wait, wait, what? How, what? Oh, all right, all right I'll, I'll give you a call back. Like, let me let me go see what I can do." Calls me back in the two hours. He's like, "All right, you're, you've been accepted. Um, I'll see you on the island in two days." So it was just wow. like like it was it was just crazy it was like and the point i bring that up is just persistent and when somebody tells you no just just keep on just
0: yeah just keep on absolutely and to add to that being prepared for the next step regardless of where you are because if you didn't have that stuff saved you you know you wouldn't be in medical school you know i think that it's you know I, i there's a lot of speeches but i always love it you know dress for where you want to go not where you currently are right we talk about we, we touched on it before, you know, you can choose, who you hang around, with, choose your friends. And not that, you know, I don't want anybody, oh my God, you know, they're saying the people I grew up with are bad. It has nothing to do with that. It's making sure that the people that you're around are in line with your current goals and then your future goals, right? And that is very important because unconsciously you're going to go down to their level, right? And I'm not saying, oh, you're better, you, know, you act like you're better than people, not that at all. But if you want to own a business. If you want to go to medical school, you have to, you know, kind of position yourself with that same thinking because it will keep you prepared, right? Because if you were with people, right, say you had a regular job, right, with your friends in in Miami and none of them went to medical school and you were just kind of flying by the seat of your pants and you didn't have that information and you weren't you know, actively trying to get into a school. And I'm sure you, you know, you, you have, you know, you applied to other ones and you saw probably what a hundred other schools in different oh, yeah. places throughout the world. But if you didn't have those things together, you know, then, then, you know, when, when the time comes, you're not prepared. Right. And I think that that is, is always the touching. It's not, you know, being, you know, I, I think a lot of, again, we, we people look at it as they get overloaded. Oh my God, how do I'm prepared for this? And how do I'm prepared for that? But the important thing is when that time comes, you have to be ready to go, right? For me, with, with coaching, just to add, is that usually in any situation, I don't have a fear of going in front of people and, and doing warm-ups and training. It's never been something that, you know, a, a few times in the beginning, you know, we, we talk about it before where I think the scariest moment of any coach is that the first time that you do a workout with a team and they all stand in a big circle around you and they all stare at you dead silent, and you know, at that moment that it is now, they will do whatever it is that you tell them to do and you're fully in charge. And I don't think that's something that you really understand until you're there, right? And, and we talked with with Mark, but I remember that day like it was yesterday because Mark was on that team. I brought everybody on at six in the morning and everybody circled around. But to the point of that is, is that just always kind of being prepared with with where you're going and, you know, always kind of have, um You know those goals in mind because you know you didn't think you're going to get into medical school, right? And then you called, and then bang, you're you know you're on a plane, I I guess, right? Two days later.
1: Yeah, literally, it was. Um, I called. It was. It was a Thursday. Um, I called on Thursday. I. It was a Thursday at three in three in the afternoon, so it wasn't even like a Thursday in the morning. You know, so it was like the day was almost over. He was like, "All right, cool." He called me back, and then he was like, "All right, I have a um, we did the interview." So he called me back like an hour later. We did the interview. And then the next day he like fully kind of set with everybody. And then he gave me the official approval. And then on Saturday I was on Island. So, and I mean, there's a whole bunch of, like I had a girlfriend, a five-year relationship that had like flown down to Miami and we had lived here. We had just moved here for like three months. I was like, I gotta go. And like, that was his own thing. But I, I want to kind of even go back to, cause I think it's important. You, you said, you know, it's not about like being selfish and not. And I want to bring up two points that one, I'm sure you've heard before when I was with the A's actually, um, Within the first week that, you know, we have the whole brand new draft class, we actually they brought in, you know, Dr. Mark Strickland, which the guy talked about that we had. And the first thing he said was, as you go up in the level, your circles will get smaller. It's part of the life because the higher you get, the more people are going to want stuff from you. So you got to make your circle smaller or you're not going to make it. And what I want to kind of build on that is you only have one life. You know, you choose how you want to do it. And that's kind of been the, the biggest message that I've been doing it from the beginning. So, yeah, don't leave your friends behind. But if your friends are not pushing you forward, yeah, leave them behind. You got one life. What do you want out of it? Do you want to be in the floor with your friends or do you want to make something out of yourself? So you only have one life. So that's kind of what I I wanted to kind of add, because I feel like there might be some kids out there that might be having that battle. and, And I have that conversation often. And it's like you got to choose what you're going to do. I mean, even with family, if your family's not kind of supporting you where you want to go. That's the toughest one. I remember I put the other day, I had a, one of my polls on, on Instagram, which I do often, and it was goals or family. And that's probably one of the hardest ones that I had people answer. It was just like, I don't know, man. I mean, there's some of my goals that my family doesn't approve of. And, you know, sometimes it's not your family's job to understand your goals.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it's a great point. You know, you sharing your story, it, it's not in and, and again. It's not that they don't want, they just want what's best for you. Right. And they're, they're doing everything based on their experience to make sure that you're safe and that they, that you don't have to go through what they went through. Right. So it's never from a place of malice. They're always doing everything for you, you know, out of love in those things, right. They went through something, you know, something horrible and how they work. So they don't want you to kind of waste this opportunity, right? And it, and it waste is a bad word, but that's where it comes from, right? Remember, every single time somebody gives you advice, right? Even if they're close to you or or something like that, everybody gives you an opinion only based on their experience and where they've been, right? Amen. And that is where we talk about, you know, we talk about circles, right? And, and smaller and, and bigger, but it's also too, you know, and I'm sure you've got into it too, you start to hang out with people. And then, and, and something very interesting starts to happen when you're on the right level, right? That's the one thing I love about, you know, being prepared for where you're going to go, having those goals, because what starts to happen is you start to get around these people, right? That have the same ideologies as you, right? And then they start to meet people and then you start to kind of hang around a core group of people and everybody that they're around is the same, right? And one of the things I loved about baseball, loved, was the players but i think and 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 i want you to answer this as well but in baseball my favorite thing was always this if i didn't like a coach because of how they were or how they acted usually the people that i got along with did not like that same individual right where sometimes you go places and you have friends and they hang out with somebody you might not like and it's kind of okay i got to deal with them right why we're out in baseball for me was always if i didn't like certain hitting coach because of whatever they did The people that I was closest to on the staff usually didn't like them either because of the personality. I'm not saying it was, you know, we didn't have conflict, but that was one of the things I always appreciated baseball. Everybody was real. Everybody was direct. They held nothing back. And everybody that you hung around usually had the same kind of outlook with you. And if it was somebody you didn't really like for whatever reason, they didn't like them either. So it wasn't like, we're going to go hang out with this person that I despise.
1: Yeah. I I mean, for me, I feel like um, it's not just baseball. I feel like it's every, for the most part, everything, because I, I don't I don't choose to be around people. And, and that's maybe why I preach that so much. I don't choose to be around people that don't um, are not moving forward, um, whether that's life, career or anything like that. But there's some and I was as you were talking, I was like, I wonder if it's the cockiness and the confidence of baseball players that just keeps them real um you, you you do have some liars and you do have obviously all that the you know the the super flexors which is what i call them but a lot of baseball players because it's a game of failure it builds confidence if you don't have confidence you're not going to make it in the game like that's just flat out period mm-hmm. so i feel like that might have a big facet in why those people are so real
0: i don't yeah, know that's an interesting i don't know i've never thought of it that though, but that might be because there is an Overflux of, of comp, it might just be that you know, it's say how you feel, and, and that's it. And if you don't like it, it really doesn't matter because you're going to be at this level, and I'm going to go to the next one, and, and maybe that's it. I, I think that you know, also to, to your same point, when you get into the entrepreneurial spirit, if you will, right, you start with your own business or your own idea, or you start to get into kind of upper echelons of, of, of jobs, right, MD and, and, and finance and those things. I think it's also because you have to be that way to survive in these things, right? You cannot be a coach in, in my opinion, in the minor leagues with no backbone, right? Cause I've seen it over and over and over. I've seen kids that I've worked with get walked all over. And, and I, and I'm not saying it's, you know, you have to be mean, but it's also, you can't, you can't deliver a good product, right? You can't be a good coach. If you can't tell your athletes or your colleagues how you feel and kind of how you want to do things. But I, I think it's that it's, it's just, I, I believe it's either sports or just the the kind of area you get into with a profession I think it, it already gets rid of people as it is and to go back to what you know we, we kind of talk about you know just relating to today and, and in society, I understand the the want for everybody having opportunities to do everything right that's where we're going but at the same time I don't like that because certain things, certain people can't do, right? I'll use it as coaching. If you're a shy person that doesn't like conflict and and, and really likes to keep to themselves, I just don't see how coaching is going to, A, how you're going to make a positive impact or B, why coaching would be something you want to do, especially in baseball. If you're a shy person and you've probably had coaches like this, you will get run over and being in charge of a baseball team.
1: Absolutely. And I, I mean, what I wrote down was you were talking was, I mean, your podcast is uh, the strength coach experience. I'll throw it back at you. Like, is a football strength coach the same personality as a soccer strength coach? No, not at Absolutely all. Not. You know, you you again, you surround yourself with your people like a football strength coach is, You know, you got to run through walls. Like, let's go like big time. Like, let's freaking go kind of guy a soccer coach is not like that. You know, the whole mentality, the whole body, the whole, uh, you know, the way you train, the way you eat, every aspect of it is different. You, you surround yourself with your type of people and that's kind of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think, you know, baseball pretty much too, you know, baseball kind of chose me anyway. It wasn't something I played. I played basketball, but it was another, it was one of those things and the same for you. Right. I feel like you, the way you are kind of ends you up in, in certain places. Right. And I think, you know, not to talk, to touch political, but I think that's what separates those things as well, right? I, I feel like that is another thing what separates stuff, right? If you're if you're a person who, you know, follows rules and does everything you're told and, and stays under the radar, it might be a little easier to be convinced of certain things. Whereas if you're a, I do what I want, be to my own drum type of person, when these things happen and, and you know, constantly on the news every day, it's this is terrible and this is terrible and do this and follow these rules, you might, you might not want to do those things. Right. And I think that is why, in my opinion, again, this is just my opinion and and not going left or right. But I think that is why we have so many, so much conflict because we're not, we're not splitting between because of ideology anymore. We're splitting because of personality and like baseline personality traits, psychology. How do you react to things like, or, and how I react to things you put, Two people in a situation, it has now come to be, I'm going to go that way and you're going to go this way. And we're never going to be able to resolve things because it's personality based on the situation. And it's not whether I believe in this or I believe in that. It comes down to that biological level. If you're a person who's a hothead who will tell you exactly how they feel and versus a person who doesn't do that. And so we get that kind of, you know, Jordan Peterson talks about all the time, you know, somebody who's agreeable and somebody who's confrontational, right? And, you, 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 and in order for a relationship between those two people, there has to be a balance and there has to be a kind of an understanding and an open-mindedness perception in order to get along. And I think with the issues and the things that go on in today, you know, it's very hard to do that because it's not that we just don't agree on one or two things. It's your way of going about things is a lot different than mine. Right. And and if I put you in, in, in somebody else in a situation, we are going to have different outcomes and we're going to react completely different to what's going on. And I think that is where we have so much division.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and again, what I wrote was passion equals your response and it equals your experience. And the reason why politics is so complex and it gets so argumentative is because you're not talking about ideology. You're talking about the person's experience that causes their passion, which ends up becoming their ideas. And, you know, it's tough to explain to somebody why something is wrong when they're like, that's what I lived. How are you going to tell me it's wrong? Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I, I heard a saying this past week that it was the only thing we can really trust is our experience because you read something, but that's just somebody else's theory versus what you live, you lived it. Like, you can't tell me that what I lived was wrong because I lived it. Like, I saw it with my own eyes. And that's where it gets so tricky that it's like, you know, you have educational levels and all this stuff, but it's like, you can't tell me that what I'm doing and what I lived was not real. So it's, you know.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I said, it's all about experience. I mean, I'm sure you've gotten the same argument. I've gotten arguments with people about players in leagues in professional baseball and their work ethic that have not worked in baseball. Like I have literally been in, and, and to me, that's ridiculous. I'm not saying whether I know anything else, but I have literally on several occasions been in shouting matches with people at gyms and people trying to tell me the, the effort that certain players in the big leagues put in. And I'm like, how, and it always ends the same. How are you going to tell me how this person works and their work ethic when I train them and you watch SportsCenter, center. Right. And, and I think, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, I, I think that, again, we, we talk about the, the goal, right, purpose, right, and, and Jordan Peterson is always behind me, but just to bring up with him, he always talks about having a purpose. Why do we need a purpose? It gives you life, but also when we have conflicts and the things that we deal with on a daily basis, especially now, when you have a purpose, that becomes the goal. So regardless of what's going on on the TV and on, on social media, I have a goal, And I'm going to get to that goal regardless of what happens. If you want to come with me, that's great. If you don't, you can stay where you are. But I think that is why purpose is so important, right? I I always try to emphasize it's not just having something to do, it's having something that is so important, regardless of what is happening in the world, based on regardless of if it's a Tuesday and we're in the middle of COVID or it's, you know, 1999 where everything was. Rugrats and angry beavers and math dittos. Right. But but the point of that is, is that, you know, having a purpose allows you to kind of it's always there. And then you can say, okay, today, am I going to get aggravated over this or am I going to continue my purpose? Right. And I think that is why it's so important. And I feel like people that that let a lot of this stuff make them boil all the time. And we talked about angry people all the time. Right. On both sides. They need a purpose. If they had what, something,
1: what's your why?
0: Yeah, exactly, Simon. Simon, right? And you know, leaders eat last, right? Those books are huge because it's it's the point, right? It's the perception. And again, I, I I'm glad you brought up the book. Again, we talked. Have about you Have reading. you read
1: that book, the Simon the Simon one? Yeah, I read both of them. Okay, yeah, I, I haven't, but that's what uh Dr. Strickland just he talked about yeah. that book in the podcast. I mean, I just know the what's your why because that's yeah. like my motivator yeah, I've, I've
0: read that and then and then his second one is uh leaders eat last
1: oh okay, okay. tell us yeah. a little bit about that book tell us a little bit about that
0: um you know basically the the starts with why just a, a little bit is 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 purpose right what well, we just talked about it it goes through kind of the, the steps and and why we need a purpose right and and every time we start anything we we need to understand why we do it because that why you know kind of can bring you anything right uh TD Jakes brings up a quote all the time. It's not his, but it's, you know, it's a very famous quote. But, you know, somebody with a why can endure any how, right? And, and basically what that is is that mm. if we have a purpose that's, that's important, now again, it has to be an important purpose, not I want to, you know, make 50 cents today, right? It has to be something of, of vast importance. But because of that, we can endear the how, right? Because a how happens every day, right? If you wake up, oh, today's going to be shit you know and and then we have those issues and then the other one is just basically talks about a little bit of what Gary Vaynerchuk preaches is that taking care of the people around you right and and always kind of once you get to the top of the ladder reaching a hand back to help the rest right and and it's always being generous and you you see you know everybody talks about that you know you listen to to Grant Cardone and and um I can't think of the other guy's name, but they always talk about that. Once I make it reaching down and kind of picking back up, right. Similar to what we do with the podcast, right. You have experiences with coaches and, and, you know, doctors you bring up that, that have helped you tremendously. And, and the same as me, everybody I've had on a podcast is either somebody who's helped me in my journey or somebody that I looked up to and and they helped me, you know, kind of without them knowing through their information to make me into the coach and the teacher I am today. And, and those are important because between the two of those, we have a purpose, so we can endure a lot of things with a purpose. But then once we get kind of rolling, if we bring more people who appreciate what we're doing with us, now that adds to our purpose. And now it becomes kind of a full circle. So not only do I have something to live for, right, and and to make my own life, but now I'm going to bring other people with me that kind of share that same passion. And so now it kind of creates a thing where Not only are you working towards your own goal and purpose, but now people behind you are counting on you to to kind of carry out your purpose. So now we have driving force both, right? We have that intrinsic motivation, but now we have that external motivation as well in terms of the people you help, right? And not that my podcast is, I don't talk to a million people yet, but you make them every week because there is that that group of people who are listening and, and appreciate each and every episode that you're coming out with.
1: Absolutely. I was writing down um, one of the, which is kind of, I don't know, This is, I feel like this is interesting, but one of the main reasons why I really wanted to write the podcast. And I noticed that um, about a month and a half ago, I saw my old head coach at the gym. It was like five in the morning. Um, was I was genuinely so happy to see him there because he was overweight back in high school mm-hmm. and he's lost like 40, 50 pounds, probably more than that. Honestly, I saw him the other day. I was like, bro, you look amazing. and um, And it was what I realized that I had to tell him, thank you so many times for the things he had done for me. And I had to tell him sorry for the mistakes that I had made and for the arguments that I brought up because I was a young kid. And it's this platform allows me to kind of give value to the people that really helped me because life gets so complicated and gets so busy that sometimes we don't get that opportunity just to say those simple words to them. And you know that's something that if I get to have a coach back here, we get to talk about stuff and be like, hey, man, thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. You were wrong about that one, but I was wrong about this, 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 and that. And it's just that conversation and that um, interaction you have is another way of just simply, you know, going back and kind of helping the people that, you know, helped you. Cause a lot, a lot of coaches kind of do this to help out, you know, to feel, you know, to feel like they're making a difference. And sometimes, you know, you might not feel it at the moment, but it feels nice because it's happened to me a lot of times that, you know, you, you do an impact and then somebody realizes it five, ten years later and they're like, hey, if it wouldn't have been for you, my life wouldn't be here. So just genuinely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. So I don't know. I thought that was an interesting because that's one of my big driving points, too. Um, And I try to bring, you know, people who've really impacted me for those reasons.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's huge. And it's a great point. I'm happy you brought it up. It's one of those things where especially I, I think, you know, the special thing, again, like you talk about and what we've been talking about is, is with the podcast pro, you know, the podcast platform is that we get to talk to people. But now when we want to guess where right, you say, oh, oh, my God, what you know, you think of an idea. Right. And, and, and again, anybody out there listening, they come ideas come right. And and, and me and Roger talked about it. Right. And, and we've talked about, you know, it's important to have a lot of people kind of you can talk to because if something comes up right somebody gets suspended and injury happens in a spore or some other, you know, something with mental health takes place, right? Kind of like what we had in the Olympics. It's also a good thing too, to be able to reach out to somebody and said, Hey, what are you doing this week? Right. Let's get on and, and, and let's really talk about a current event. Right. And it keeps your podcast up-to-date, but also it allows you to, to speak about it, right, and to do the things that you're used to, because I brought it up before and many times, but one of the things with, with COVID is that it, it keeps you separated from people, right, and and ideally, if you're at a gym or you're working, you know, even college, you know, and, and going back to, to school, we're used to bouncing ideas off of people all the time. That's what we do. That's how we progress as human beings and as a society, and when you're not able to do that, it has a renowned effect on you because if I have all this bottled up, right? Let's just say I got angry at something. Instead of me, you know, being able to talk about it, right? I go put it on social media, but that, that doesn't really do anything for me, right? Because I'm sure you've had it as much as I have, right? we days that somebody's pissed you off, right? You're living, right? The blood pressure's going, your face is beat red and, you know, you your head hurts and you just want to scream. And then you talk to somebody close to you and eventually, A, you calm down and B, you realize what you're mad about is really kind of stupid. And if you were to bring it up to the other person, right, that that is you're mad about or you would have spoke your mind, you would have caused a lot more problems oh, than, yeah. than anything. Or you kind of calm down and realize that what we're getting mad about maybe wasn't that big of a deal. Right. And, and I say that because I think that this whole cut everybody off from society and let's just post our feelings on social media all day. It, it really detrimentally destroys everything, right? They did a study the other day, come out with it. 34% of girls in high school, they found out that social media makes them feel bad. And I'm like, it took them this long to figure that out, yeah. right? I mean, I knew social media was bad when I got the thing, right? I mean, I, I was like, oh, pictures, you know, like if you don't realize that, like I love how, you know, I, I kind of hate how, um, you know, every time there's, you can always tell with, with certain things, that are really bad. Right. And I, I don't think social media is a good thing. You know, I, I think it's a bad thing. Now there are positives, you know, you're able to, you know, put up information and, and there are a lot of positive things out there, but part of me thinks it's about a 70, 30, right? 70% is, is bad. And, and 30% is there to help. And then, you know, you realize this stuff right away. I mean, I knew in I don't know, when did I get a Facebook 12 years ago or whatever it came out and I was like, this is terrible, right? And then all of a sudden, there's a study that comes out today. This is 15 years after Mark Zuckerberg dropped out of Harvard. You know, I mean, it's always like they, they try to keep it, you know, uh, the, the studies that come out like once every four years, it's, oh, studies show that sitting at computers bad for your mental health. Well, I could have told you that 20 years ago, right? Or, you know, Facebook isn't the greatest thing in the world. Well, duh, you know, but it's always like they always come out with this in your face stuff to kind of like mock everybody. Oh, by the way, 40% of people think social media makes you feel bad in the morning. Well, I could have told you that 10 years ago.
1: No, absolutely. And you, as you were saying that, there's actually a couple of things that I've realized the last couple of days, because I guess I'm more on social media now with. Oh, it, get, it
0: will get you. By the way, in case anybody wants to know, I hated Instagram before I started a podcast. Now I'm on there like a little kid checking my likes and my direct messages. Oh,
1: like, yeah. I mean, I it look- it's, it's your business, so you kind of have to. But. What I was gonna say was I've been I've been kind of coaching more high more high school kids and I'm really impressed slash um interested how a lot of these kids are not really on social media. Like they are, like they have accounts, mm-hmm. but they don't post. I was like oh. really blown away by that. Yeah. Um again it's a small sample size, but and, and I don't know if um if it's fair to say, but a lot of it, like I've coached, okay, it I went, you know, the other day to Varela, a local high school here, and I kind of helped out, and, and a lot of them kind of have been following me and whatnot, and I've been like looking through their stuff. Um, I want to say like 60, 70% of those kids have maybe like, and they're like, you know, juniors, sophomores, seniors in high school, have maybe like 10 pictures, 15 pictures, 20 pictures or whatever. I was not expecting that. I was expect because I feel like you look through TikTok and it's mostly kids you know, and then your random business trying to make some, you know, figure it out. Cause they obviously it's business, you know, but I was really blown away by that because I just thought every kid was just like in social media all the time now.
0: Yeah. I don't know. So, maybe it's, it's a different, uh, maybe it's geographically because where I live, kids have their Instagrams on the back of their cars.
1: Yeah. I mean, same. I mean, I have my Instagram on the back of my shirt right now. Like it's, you know, it's, but I don't
0: but no, know, I, but I'm talking about like their name and heading, not their business. I'm talking about like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, like Jimmy loves fitness on the back of his window of his car at the gym. And you go on there and there's not a business. It's just a kid just benching 305 and screaming and doing beer funnels. Like that's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, maybe it's, it's different. Maybe, you know what? It's probably, I feel, the I feel like it has
1: to do with, um, the, like the sports, like yeah. the, the fact that they're, they're, I used to call them like the mortals versus the immortals kind of thing. That's what we used to call yeah. them in college. <laughs> but the um, kind of the like they have a mindset. They're trying to make baseball thing. So they're, they're trying to they're not out there partying and doing that. Well, they are, but not as much. And maybe the, the world of baseball is keeping them a little bit. For me, it happened with me, you know, like with sports sports kept me away from drugs. It kept me locked in. It kept me. It gave me a, a, a why. It gave me a, a, a thing to chase. So I wonder if that has something to do with it because I also noticed with my my nephew yesterday, he's, you know, he's a freshman, about to be a freshman, he has an Instagram, but has zero posts. And it's, I know it's not my, it's not my brother because I had the conversation with him. He's like, I don't, I don't care. He can use it, but he doesn't use it. So that was interesting for me. I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that's a great point. But, but again, we, we talk about, you know, social media and I was kind of uh, blowing up Instagram there. But again, I think that's a positive though. I, I think that, That is something that's positive because now, you know, you can follow your Bryce Harper's right. Anybody out there doesn't like Bryce Harper. I love Bryce Harper. So it is what it is. But I think that's a positive though. Uh, No, but funny story. I coached two kids in summer bowl that were in his wedding.
1: Okay. Yeah. So why, why do you love him?
0: Disappear. i just think i i like how he plays the game and they and okay. they, they they i'm a big fan, like, I'm, a fan. Yeah, I'm a fan they they um they, so they were like he's awesome whatever and you know what i also you know from from being in in professional sports you know and and you in it as well and, and not that i was you know I, I i wasn't you know famous or anything but i kind of understand coming from him what it must have been like to be the biggest thing in the world from 12 years old till now and you make the big leagues when you're 21 years old i mean Bro. eventually i mean he became famous when he hit that that baseball off of the back of the old tampa bay devil ray stadium when he was what 14 years old and yeah. ever since then he has literally been in the public eye i mean he he dropped out of high school you know to go to juco early to get drafted everybody yelled and screamed about that but if you watch the documentaries um, you know, it was, it was his decision. It was something he wanted to do independent of his parents. But I mean, I'm not to say some of the stuff he he does, you know, throwing ice at people and not running out balls when bond's on the mound, because you don't like him, things like that. I, I, you know, whatever, you're a role model. But I, I think there there's a lot that goes into it. And you know, and you you know, with the media stuff, they don't tell you, you don't play baseball to be a celebrity, right? Now, maybe some kids now do, but I I don't think I I don't really like when they attack, you know, professional baseball players and and things like that based on how they act or if they're standoffish, you know, because they play baseball, right? They do their thing on the field, and occasionally you can't be nice all the time, right? And and I think that if you're nice all the time, it's not genuine. And I and I'm not saying for everybody, right? You shouldn't yell at people, and and you have to play your part. But I just think he's he's a gifted player. He's done things that you know, nobody's ever done, you know, he, he continues to produce year in and year out, you know, he's got 32 home runs now betting 270, but he's still up there. And I just, you know, he puts his work in and and those things, he stays relatively private, you know, he's not at a club every day and, you know, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do a lot of crazy stuff. He kind of keeps to himself. And and I think that not that, you know, praise everything he does, but I think it's also misunderstood when, when a guy doesn't want to be in the in the in the spotlight all the time, you know, and, and and not all of them act the same, and and a lot of them just they just want to be. And again, you you know, it's very hard to do that. I mean, if you're anybody that watched the Last Dance, you know, everybody thinks Michael Jordan must have loved it. I mean, the guy's fondest thing, you know, towards the end of his career when he was like god of basketball, was sitting in his room drinking orange juice, smoking a cigar, you know, and it, he's like, it was peaceful in here until you guys came in here. I can't go out. I can't do all these things. And and I think. You know, those things weigh on you, you know, especially now with the, with the age of a cell phone, you can't do anything. You know, back in the day, you know, they, they just had that the, the documentary with the meds and, and all that crazy stuff. But you could go and have fun. Right. And you have to worry about, you know, barring you got arrested. you were OK. But now you can't do anything. You know, everything you do is, is under a scope of practice. I mean, I had it a little bit, but in the Cyclones, we had 50 people every game with the autographs. And even with me, they knew where I lived. They knew my parents and it just got to be like, I didn't like it, you know, and it wasn't like I, I, wasn't, no, anybody, I wasn't signing autographs and, you know, all that stuff. I signed a few, um, but just to no, I, I just, it, it was just, they knew everything, you know, you know, where you live, what your parents are, where you went to high school, you know, and it, and it, it kind of throws you off, especially for me. I realized like the first question anybody ever asked me was about my family and, and living here and all this stuff. And I'm like, how did you, how'd you figure that out? You know, but, but to the point, it's just, I think we need to give them a little more lead way. You know I mean? Some guys are assholes. Let's, let's not be honest, but I I think there's no reason to hate guys because on paper, they don't like to be around people or they all can't be like, you know, certain people, you know, some of them embrace it and other ones, they don't like to be around people. And, and, you know, it's not their fault as long as they do what they're supposed to on the field because that's what they're there for. You know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, their job is to play baseball. Their job is nothing else. And and especially guys like that. I mean, another comparison, it's not even in the baseball world, but I compare him to Justin Bieber. Like, to realize that Justin Bieber was a freaking 16, 17-year-old kid. He was four,
0: 14 when he 14. made that, that song. What is it? Uh, yeah, or whatever. Love Yourself or something. Yeah.
1: No, yeah. Yeah, no, Love Yourself was, I think, the one that got him out. But it's just like, how are you going to expect? Baby.
0: That baby song. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Yep, I remember. That the-
1: you are a multi, 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 make more money than probably everybody in this podcast listening together <laughs> at 14 years old and have all the freedom in the world. And you still like your frontal lobe has not developed, Like you have no idea what you're doing and you have full control over it. How are you not going to make mistakes? Like, yeah. and, and especially like you said, the, the world we're in now where everybody's got a camera. And if you're known at the moment you walk by the phone's going up, yep. make one mistake is going everywhere.
0: And then, and I think the other thing is too to, to touch on what we, you know, what I said before is to me, too, it doesn't make any sense now because, you know, you're getting on Bryce Harper and Lindor and Baez right for the thumbs down. Now, I understand that. But then you have morons like Jake Paul that are famous and all they do is stupid stuff. Right. And I'm sorry, but I, I think it's you a see, disaster. I, I, I'll, I'll,
1: I'll disagree with you. I don't think they're I don't think Jake Paul and Logan Paul are, are morons. I think they're I'm, marketing geniuses. All right. OK, but correct. They myself, don't. They just don't care about anything.
0: All right. And I, I'm not I'm not saying all together. I'll correct myself. No, no, no. Right. Yeah. 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 The stuff that they do is moronic. Now, oh. marketing-wise, no, I, I will agree with you. They're geniuses. That's... They took their whatever they had and they ran Bro. with it. And now, I think to their credit, uh, they are revolutionizing boxing and exhibitions. And they're—I think—they're—they're they're bringing new light to the sport of boxing. So, I will agree with that. Yeah, I meant it more of—I mean—they're people... not, no, not good role
1: models. They're not good role models. That's period.
0: You have people that are famous now for doing stupid things and making the same amount of money but then you're going to go get mad at, you know, somebody for, for doing ever. Now I'm not agreeing with the booing and all the stuff, but it gets blown out of proportion. It's almost like anytime people have some fun, you know, we, yeah. we, we kind of blow everything up. And then, you know, I think to the, to, to combat that is it doesn't look good where you get mad at a Bryce Harper or a, you know, a Lindor for something that's a little ridiculous. And then, you know, and then you um, and then you have your Jake Pauls where the way that they got famous, was from doing moronic things but i will also agree you know just to to better the point they are marketing geniuses though and i think to to just as a side note that is is something if, if you want to be a social media person right and you want to have a business you have to learn how to market because that is what they did they take it full-fledged i mean
1: oh bro they're i mean they're just, lo, is that you have them both you have logan who's and I watch a lot of their stuff. I watch more Logan than, J- than Jake because Jake is kind of way too crazy. But if you the way they, that Logan thinks in the way he everything they do is marketing, they're like, let's take it a, a couple of steps back. You think that Jake Paul hadn't already thought about everything that was going to take. I got your hat from Floyd Mayweather. Bro, oh, yeah, absolutely. That was That's all cool. that, everything of that. They had he had a song. He had apparel. He had com- he had everything ready. Like. Everybody not talk crap about him. you. Know how much money that guy made for just doing that? Yes, I think it's extremely, million, maybe, uh, yeah, some crazy thing like that. Like or
0: he might have doubled it. I don't know. He wrote something about uh, it's.
1: It's obviously super disrespectful. Like I will not disagree with you on that. Super disrespectful to do that to you know one of the biggest goats in the game of boxing. Yeah, but it sold more fights.
0: Yeah. No, I. I hundred percent. I agree with I think it's more of a user thing right we allow all this stuff that we pick and choose what oh, we get yeah. mad about oh that's fine right it's okay but then you have little things and and I think it's also you know through a sport you know people also you know the in one of the things that happened you know bringing up Lindor and and um and those people people you know as fans also they take the amount of money they get personally right and and I understand the money but you do being in the business it doesn't matter right? Just because they pay him money, they don't change anything, right? Lindor doesn't go to the field and say, oh, I made 350 I mean, you can tell. I love Lindor. I I mean, you know him a little better than I do, but I, I love everything he does. I don't care if he hits 212 because I think he's great for the game, and you see it out there. He yeah. he tries as hard as he can every day, and even if he's batting 200 he's still going to make those beautiful transitions and those plays, and he's going to sell it out. And In my opinion, also, Baez is phenomenal. I mean, oh that guy's God. got baseball sense like i've never seen i mean just in the little things right you realize when you're around the game you know falling down at first base but but having the wherewithal to put your left toe on first base right or or the things that he does are incredible you know
1: just the game is so slow to those guys yes it's just so like flat like to be able to do a swim move when you're full-blown bro i'm really just trying to get to the bag like that's all i'm thinking about he's like oh i see this guy he's coming this way i'm gonna go this oh then i'm gonna Unless you try to do that. Same thing. Like I remember the day that I tried doing the jump play by Jeter. Yeah. I was like catching ground balls and shortstop. And I, I don't know why I thought about doing that.
0: Everybody everybody thinks about doing that. And
1: then you, I didn't even make it past the mound and I had a great arm. I was like, wow. He threw
0: 95 up there. Can.
1: So like, there's so many things that you don't realize how impressive and how hard they are until you actually try to do them. Yeah, so, absolutely.
0: Machado does it all the time. I remember I watched a game. With him when he played the Mets, he, fe- he fielded a ball, falling out of bounds, or out of bounds, falling over the foul line, away from third base. He threw across his body, and he threw a, a strike to second base. And yeah. he was falling. I'm like, that's impossible.
1: I mean, there's videos of him, and you can go look it up on YouTube, where he's on the like grass to clay line on the corner of, of third base, all the way in the back. On one knee on his right knee and will flick the ball underhand to first base on a line. It's like you do not understand how hard that is. Like that's yeah. not I can't crow hop and throw that ball as hard as he does that way. It's just yeah. like it it just flat out like bro.
0: No, it's 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 amazing. Like I said, and I think when you start watching the game from that lens, it's just like these things are so hard, it's not even it's crazy, I pe- but
1: I feel like that's what kind of makes a difference of baseball with fans. I feel like the fans that really understand the game, they understand how hard and they just genuinely are impressed by what these people can do.
0: Yeah. Whereas is, I I think the, I think that's you're right. I think that's kind of what separates baseball a little bit more where you take sports like the NBA. I think everybody just assumes everybody should be able to do everything right. (laughs) Oh, how come Giannis can't make threes and why don't they make all their threes during the NBA? And you know, those things I think, that not that, the but the skill sets are so much different, right? And you yeah. don't get to see. I think a lot of the athleticism in the NBA is blurred because everybody is so athletic. Whereas in baseball, there's only one Manny Machado, right? We only have yeah. one Javier Baez. There isn't Once a whole ton of one judge. you know exactly like you have those those guys that make these plays, and then you can a hundred percent tell that you know it's. It, there's only one or two, right? I mean, you know, you look at it now. The Mets played the Cardinals yesterday. You have Arenado and you have Machado. And I think that's about it for in terms of third baseman. And then in the shortstop, you have your Turner, you know, your Lindor. And then um, what's the guy? I mean, that if you guy, want to
1: put Iglesias in the fielding world, but you can't yeah. put Iglesias in the overall picture.
0: Yeah. And then or you have uh, what's the guy on the with the uh, what's his name? The guy on the Rockies.
1: Oh, uh, not Turner. Um, no.
0: S no story. Yeah. Story. Trevor yeah. story, Trevor story. Right. So you, you have those things, but again, I think it's just, it's separate because there's so, so few, right. There's never going to be another Marion Rivera, right. What the Grom was doing up until whatever happened to him is phenomenal. Right. And and we only have these things. So I think that's, you know, I think it's, it's the same, I mean, you know,
1: are, are we not going to talk about the best player in, in the world right now?
0: Uh, junior. Or Otani, no, which Otani, Otani, oh, bro? Like, God, that's dude. a freak.
1: What do you, yeah. what? We're literally seeing a Babe Ruth right now.
0: Yes. Potentially exactly. better than Babe Ruth. Like, oh, well, that's another. If, if Otani hits 140 home runs next year, it'd be better than Babe Ruth. The one glaring point with Babe Ruth is the, the biggest thing is that he went out and hit, and then he hit more than twice, he hit twice of what teams hit. So, Otani oh. is amazing, and what he's doing is phenomenal. But it's just the allure is that if it's almost like if Jacob DeGrom was healthy, he quit pitching this year and then next year hit 141 home runs because the guy, the the, the guy on the, let's see, the next closest guy when Babe Ruth converted had like 11 and then he hit 50 and teams would hit like 21. And he was like, I I don't know know that his ERA was stupid. I think it was under like a one. So he pitched like Cy Young caliber ball for five years. Then he he completely switched to hitting and he hit more home runs than entire teams. So that uh, is yeah, where that's... the now not to take anything away from Otani, because it's incredible what he's doing, but that is that is where the Babe Bruce stuff starts it, it's kind of yeah. it's it's wild because he completely like transformed what anybody knew. So it's it's literally like if DeGrom was like, All right, I'm just gonna hit. And then hit 120 home runs next year, and you'd be like, "Oh my God, this guy just hit more—you know, double the record and, and all those things." Now, not taking again away from Otani, yeah. but 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 every time that comes up, it's I think it's important to what Babe Ruth did was was phenomenal, and I, I hate—I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So he was he was a stud pitcher, and then they moved him. So look at this too: his first five years probably hit like 50 home runs, and he still hit 715, 714. So, I mean, it, it's wild if you start to think about, you know, the, all the other things. You know, that's why I always think of, too, if you look at – take Trout. The amazing thing to me about Trout is he hasn't played more than, like, 130 games in a season since he got in the league. Yeah, he's, he's
1: never played playoff ball. Like, he's it's, – it's crazy.
0: But somehow manages to hit 100, 100 RBIs with 40 home runs and bat 330. And if you look at his line, he gets hurt all the time, and he's only played, on average, like 130 games a year. He's missing 20 to 30 games a year – but he's still blown it up. I mean, it's just you know, it's it's wild. Like I said, it's just um, you know, the the sports are are blown up. The athletes are getting better. It's just you know, getting back into the strength part. I I don't know where things are going to go. I I don't think we're going to see one ten because your arm's going to fall off, right? And and I've talked about it before. You know, um, with Giannis, you know, getting hurt in the playoffs, you know, against the Hawks, and and kind of him to sit out. You know, one of the things we see as well with the training is that. I think we're doing too much. You know, we're, we're trying to make guys that are strong, stronger, you know, instead of saying Giannis is one of the craziest athletes I've ever seen in my life. Right. And that is from said a lot of people, but like watching him do his thing on the basketball court, like he does stuff and I'm like, this guy is incredible. Right. But he get, gets hurt because we're, why do you need to make Giannis stronger? Right. We don't need to make Giannis stronger. We just need to make sure that there's coal in the fire. So the locomotive can run, if you will. Right. And I think that is somewhere where we, we kind of get away from things. It turns into if I want to be like Francisco Lindor, I need to lift more weights and heavier and heavier and heavier. Whereas it's not necessarily that it's a skill. And and to touch on that, I want to go back into something for you. Where do the injuries come? You know, where do you think that a lot of those injuries come and and Kind of what were some of the things that you were able to do now, you know, in coaching that that kind of make sure those things don't happen to the players that you're currently helping and assisting?
1: Yeah, most of my thing came from lack of knowledge. And that's why the podcast and everything kind of comes from is because we were very smart. Like my family's very smart and we can figure stuff out. But a lot of it came from bodybuilding mentality. Oh, yep. Um, so I used to train, I mean, for my sophomore and junior year, I put on 25 pounds and all clean. I've never roided. I've always been called the Reuter, but I never roided. Um, but I was working out like a meathead. I mean, I was having the weight gainer shakes. I was waking up at 5.00 AM and having one every, I was eating over 4,000 calories. Like I was dirty, 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 bulking. Yeah, And I was doing a body part a day and I was killing chest and I was, you know, kind of just working out that way when all of a sudden I put my body in imbalances and I got shoulder impingement. And from there, everything just kind of kept going. I kept getting I kept I, I, I would fall into the cycle where I would get hurt lose you know so much because that's what Mm -hmm. happens when you get hurt you 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 have to stop playing let your body recover and then the rehab process is slow and gradual so during that phase you're still losing and then i was like all right i'm back i'm gonna go as hard as i can kill in the weight room go back again boom get hurt again drop back down and it was always this roller coaster of events of the same thing over and over and over again and i wasn't i i was one selfish not maybe that's not the word I was ignorant. I'll use that word better. It was, it was mm-hmm. ignorant to think that I knew it all and that I could outwork what strength coaches that had been in the game for 20, 30 years knew and that were dedicating their lives to connecting with other strength coaches and coaches that were talking to other coaches about hitting just because I thought I knew myself better. It's like, you don't go to a, doc- I mean, you, there's actually a lot of people that go to doctors and tell them what to do, but you don't go to a doctor and tell them, Hey, now, do now you
0: do, but back in the day, you yeah, the, just trust them
1: the freaking Google docs. But, um, but that was my biggest thing. It was, I kept training like a, like, like, like a bodybuilder. Um, and I would just get super stiff. So I had zero mobility work. I had zero flexibility work. I had zero explosive work. All my stuff was slow, controlled, feel the contraction power movements. So it was never any rotational movement. I had a lot of lower back issues xy because of that. I popped the rib out of place because I was so stiff and I had zero flexibility. I had major shoulder issues. I mean, I have a torn labrum. Um, I had a I never had like surgery on my elbow. Um, but I had elbow issues throughout throughout all because I used to kill forearms too much and just kind of affect me that way. I was just overload, especially my smaller, my smaller body. You know, I would outwork it so much. So it was, to me, it was two things. It was one training the, the wrong way and two, working harder versus working smarter. I remember, you know, my senior year, I played with a broken hand. I broke my hammock the first week of the season and I played the whole year through it. And the reason why it happened is because I had a bad series and I spent four hours hitting the cages where I just messed up my hand. And then I kept working through it and it just small micro tears, micro fractures are going to get you. And we're not robots. Like you got to realize that just overproduction and overdoing is we're not robots. It's just going to tear you down. So that's kind of what happened with me.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. But I I mean, I I think, though, that's where everybody starts. You know, I I think that now there's a lot of, you know, information, but bodybuilding is always that first step. I think it's for everybody, you know, so it's not necessarily a, a. a negative thing. It's just that, you know, when you when you see success, see that's the problem. It's not whether or not it's right or wrong, but you have success with bodybuilding, right? Because bodybuilding is, if you're a if you're a person who can follow regimen, right, and be real disciplined in your own mind, it's a lot easier to do that. Okay. Oh yeah, I'll get up if I did the same thing in in high in college. I was getting up at same time, eating oatmeal and protein, grinding up in a thing like a psychopath you know, in running and all those things, but, but that's what it was, right. I, I did the same thing. I got hurt as well, you know, in college and things like that because of that, um, that, that bodybuilding thing. But I don't think it's, you know, I think it's just what we grew up with, you know, because, you know, when you learn that and, and that's the first thing, I mean, now it's a little different where, you know, you can start with athletic training not athletic training, but, you know, athletic movement. And, and it's more of a, this is what you do now. Um, and I think that's something that you know has progressed. But back in the you know back in the day, or you know five ten years ago, it wasn't a thing. And then I'll be the first to tell you too. In the minor leagues, we don't really we don't really give a lot of buy-in information. Right now, they do a lot better with with the you know the new technology. They have to take the time to explain. But you know my experience was there, and and you being there at the at the same time. At that time, you know, because right after I left was when they really started to include you know the players in these are your numbers this is where we want you to go this is if this number gets up on a force play or you know a certain movement this is going to impact your game directly and when this muscle gets weak this is why we struggle and so but before that there was none of that right so it's you know what works for you worked for you and and that conviction wasn't there right and there's a lot of coaches and things where they, we talk about personality, right? And, and having that confidence, it's also conviction and being like, look, this is what you need and being able to do those things, right? So I don't think it's 100% something that, that's your fault and I know other athletes has happened to, I think it's just the information and then also how it's convened, right? And even now, we, we touched on it before with Instagram where still, we still have this little, you know, glimmer, probably 20% of, of what you see is still bodybuilding, if i if i reverse lunge two times my body weight my velo is going to be 100 right or if i can you know deadlift xyz i'm going to hit bulls and exit velos at 110 and there is still not because of marketing we still don't have those conversations say look this is where you're going to be right this is where you are we can get you to here if you listen right instead of if you throw 80 you you know at 20 years old you can reverse lunge all you want. You're not going to throw 90, right? So I think now it's a battle of what information is good as opposed to what information is bad. But, you know, five years ago or so, it wasn't that. This is all we had. Bodybuilding is how we fix everything, right? To your same point, when I was in high school playing basketball, our football team won the state championships. What do we do? We power cleaned, we box jumped, we bench pressed, and we squatted. And then on the Wednesday, we would box squat, we would towel bench, and we would do deadlifts. And then on the Friday, we would do some other variation of bench press with some other variation of squatting and some other variation of deadlifts. And that's what we did. Uh, It's board press. We used that because we used a rolled up towel, but it's a board press, right? But it was all just, you know... Bodybuilding, bodybuilding, body. Building, body, building, body. Yeah. And now our team was giant, and we had—I I mean, our best player could have went to any college on the in the nation. So I'm sure that had to do with everything. And you know, just a side note: we played uh capture the flag in gym class, and he ran around in flip flops for a half an hour. Nobody could catch him. Just so everybody knows, like that's what we dealt with. So it wasn't the it wasn't the weight room stuff. It was just we had the athletes. But but to the point is that. I think it's all information, man. It's, and it's always like that. And and I, and I've seen it over and over, you know, and I think one of the hardest things and you can probably speak on it as well, when you get kids to come in, right. and, And we've talked about this as well, never being injured. And then all of a sudden you get drafted. And then all of a sudden everything starts falling apart and you're like, well, I've been fine for 20 years. And now I come and do this, this new stuff. And now all of a sudden you're, you're getting hurt. Right. And, and, and nobody can really tell you because I have a friend the same way. One of the strongest people that I know. I mean, the kid threw 98 off the mound. He hit home runs that haven't landed yet. And then you know was was you know one of the strongest people I've ever met. And then we take him in a weight room. You know his first couple of years in minor league ball, and he's getting catcher just like yourself. Back injuries, shoulder things, and you know it's kind of like he you know you're going oh this is hurting me. This isn't good. And and then now we. Uh, but nobody can help you fix your injuries. So what do we do? We default back to what we know works because this other stuff isn't really working.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I would I would actually add to that with by saying that I, I wonder if it was the fact that, you know, because you said like nowadays the Mets, because um, that's the organization you were with, um, gives more information, explains more, gives more analytics and gives understanding of what. I wonder if they just didn't really know that much back then. Like they yeah, were implementing we that, yep. And that's, that's something that's tough. You know, you can't explain something you don't know because the moment you have a somewhat of a smarter individual that questions you, you're going to look like a jackass.
0: Yep. Well, in a hundred percent, that was before the soto and before the cannibal exactly. and those things. And with those things, right. It, it kind of blends right into that instant gratification we have now, right? Okay. Today, when you deadlifted 405, right, your power output was up X amount of percentage as to whatever so we're making gains it's not all about wait yeah. wait wait and then to add to that it's well today you're at 75 percent because that's what your whoop said and so now it, you know we're still getting working but it's not there so again yes 100 it's the information and you know being able to give them real-time facts because even back in the day me trying to explain to kids What's going on, say back in the day, like it was crazy, it was 2017, but you know, like we well, we didn't have electricity and we rode around on horseback. Um, but you know, being able to explain that's a lot harder because now we have numbers that can basically say, but there always is always that I know a better way, or this is what is right. There's always going to be that kind of stigma in there,
1: no, absolutely. And I I also want to say about the knowledge, and that's kind of where I'm, I'm trying to take a big hit and i'm trying to really push on that it's there's two big things one is there's still a lot of big bodybuilding side for the strength side on the baseball world and two is the instagram world really has a problem with the things that are weird are the things that go viral absolutely majority of the time the things that are weird are weird because they're freaking weird not because they work so it's like yeah, I can make up some really weird exercise that looks great on a camera and it's going to make everybody try it. But if I do that, what value am I bringing? I'm potentially going to hurt somebody. So it's, you know, for me, I'm, you know, and we've kind of talked about it. I'm, I'm currently trying to build a platform where everything baseball will be there. So if, you know, it, at the end of the day, it's up to you to choose what you want to, but at least you have everything in one place where you can be like, okay, if we're going to talk hitting launch angle, launch angle versus, you know, staying on top of the ball. Let's put them there and let's put two people in with that believe that together. Let's bring them on the podcast and let's see. Let's let's bo- have them both have that discussion and see, you know, that way, whatever you believe in, you can get out of that and you can be like, oh, OK, I see the pros here. I see the pros here. I can make my decision now because I have the information, Yeah, which is what's not out there. Absolutely. So hopefully it works. Yeah. We'll see.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the, the more information we can. But I also love that, too. Bringing both sides, you know, bringing you know, so you can choose, right? Because a lot of it is you have to do this and this is what's going to, or if you don't like this, we have another way, right? And, And I think that's, you know, as we coach, we talk about experience. One of the biggest things going through that was being able to convey the same message to different players based on not what I wanted them to do, but based on what their goals were and the understanding. Because I said it all the time, one of the main problems we had was, all this stuff was cookie cutter. Every guy had to do this and this and this all the time. And then you start to realize, well, but if they're playing well and getting better, maybe they don't have to do all this stuff, right? Where sometimes I think we take away from how we're playing, right? And what they're doing on the field. Like, what is the goal, right? Again, purpose. What's the purpose? Why are we here? Well, we want to keep them on the field, but- That should be number one always. Exactly. We want to keep them on the field and- we want them to get better, and we want them to constantly progress. And and just bringing up the Mets, I think that all the players being hurt, some of them twice, is not what we're trying to do, right? And they have you know a lot of analytics stuff going on, but is are we, is, that, is that a positive for strength conditioning, right? And I think those are things that that need to be addressed. Is what are we doing, right? If it looks good on paper, but the entire team was out for a significant amount of time, what are we actually doing, right? And I think we get caught in that, that it's kind of like a, a, a kind of a, a funnel, if you will. Right. Because you get so caught in, I have to do, they have to do this stuff all the time. And if they take a day off, it's, it's going to be catastrophic. And I think that's the issue. Right. And I don't like to pick, I don't like to pick on the Mets, but that's what, you know, though, every single player has been hurt this year and multiple times. And I think, Jacob DeGrom, the greatest season of baseball pitching that I've ever seen was put to to end over nonsense based on, you know, whatever. I think that that's a problem, you know, and I think that it's still things you have to work on because this shouldn't happen, right? In 2021 or two, whatever year it is, because I don't know anymore. The only reason I know it's a weekend is because I don't get up as early and I don't have as many clients. But the point of that is, is that, we're still at a place now where an entire team can't play. I mean, we we have to find some sort of, of balance like that, right? We have to say, okay, you know, you, you want your kids and people that you train to say, I want to be like such and such because not only a good baseball player, they're a good human being, but they don't get hurt. I want to do what they do. Not he hits 40 home runs, bats 300, but he plays half the season, or he was out for two years because of X, Y, and Z. Is that really what we should be emulating? Right. And I think the, the, the accolades take a backseat to how much time's on the field. And I think that hinders kids these days because it's that go, go, go push through anything instead of saying, well, you know, uh, so-and-so was hurt for two years, right? Or without that injury last year, they might've done great. But now like with G- the grum I don't know what's going to happen. Is he ever going to throw the same, right? These are the questions we have to ask. I don't want to be bring up negativity, but is he going to come out next year flying or is this the last time we'll see of whatever, because- you know, a hip flexor strain, you know, as I know of, you could need surgery. There's there's a lot of different things that go into that. I mean, you know, so so only time will tell.
1: I mean, there's so many ways we can take that. One, I'll, I first want to say Jeter. Like, bro, that's yeah. what makes that guy. I mean, besides what he did off the field, that yeah. he never got caught with anything, yeah. um, whether, you know, it but was he, the
0: steroid he, era, he, the... the, the
1: the girls you know his his lineup he, was
0: crazy yeah but, <laughs> but he did it in private listen he did it the way you're it, supposed to man he, he again you know we
1: can also say his times were different because you know the times were different but his last couple of years it was around us around our time so yeah but you know from the side of what he did off the field to what he did on the field and the fact he was p- playing every single day yeah. you know yeah. so that that's those are the freaks those are the guys that you know are just just flat and amazing so i wanted to bring that up
0: um, and then I don't remember what the other part was. That's all right. It will come to you after we, after we talk about Derek Jeter, but again, exactly. Those are the people you emulate, right? The things that are, I, I think we have to shift a little bit and be like, okay, do you want to play in the big leagues for 10 years? Or, you know, do you want to play for two years and be out? Right. I think, but I, again, I, I also think that if you looked at it that way, nobody would play in the NFL. So, you know, it, it's a given it a chick because, why would you sit down and be like, okay, Maurice Claret started to do it. I mean, he kind of screwed it up at the end there uh, with all the trouble, but in the beginning, you know, he was kind of, you know, chastised for it and, and destroyed by Ohio state. But in reality, he, he kind of figured something out there. He said, okay, I'm a freshman. I miss this many games as a freshman. I have two more years until I can get drafted. When I go to the league, how many more years am I going to be there? How can I, kind of exploit what's going on right now because I want to make money and I want to have a living, but if I get hurt, this is all I have. What am I supposed to do? Right. And, and, and I think we don't see that as much, right. I mean, look at Brady, Brady's a goat. Why the guy's played 22 years. He's still doing Brady things and he's, he was out for what he had the ACL thing. What about 10 years ago? But other than that, he's, you know, he's there. I mean, and, and he's wild, you know, with his stuff, but again, these are the people we need to emulate. Look at, I mean, look at a teammate Gronk sat out for a little while because of back problems. Gronk's what, 28, right? We don't want to have those things. You know, he's a beast. I love Gronk, but you know, back thing, JJ Watts playing right now. And they said, if he gets hit again, one more time, he's not going to walk anymore. You know? And, and I think they don't want to talk about that because it will reduce the amount of people that play sports at that level. But I think maybe that's something we should look at. Maybe it should be. I want to emulate the guy that played for 10 years, right? Or and 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 was in the middle of the pack as opposed to the guy that, you know, left it out there all day on the field but but doesn't play anymore, right? How long do we want to play for? Yeah,
1: that, that that's a very tough well, you just brought up that that's a very tough one cuz that's that's limiting competitiveness, limiting the like ex, extreme um extremeness that that yeah. is required to be a master at something. But I remember what I wanted to bring up and I think it's a valuable thing for anybody listening. You brought up a point about you know the Mets getting hurt and all that. As you were saying that, for me, I started to think about as a young guy that's in high school trying to get to the college level, you have the choice of where school you're going to. I think it's very important, and I'm not going to say any school, but I know of one school that has had a lot of arms issues for pitchers, and I don't like to send any arms there because of that. So I like to, my point here is, if you're a highly recruited player, you should definitely look into, are these guys playing consistently? Are these guys getting hurt? How are they? This is part of your job to figure out because this is your career. This is you know where you go. And I, and, I, and I really preach this a lot. The decision you make about what college you, you, you decide to go to will change your life. It will change the networks you meet. It will change you know, your day-to-day mindset, the people you're around, everything. So make sure you do all the research because that decision is highly, highly important. So what I wanted to ask you is more from a strength coach aspect, you know, you um you, you were a strength coach in college and you dealt with that. How can a guy try to figure out a young high school guy figure out if the these strength programs or whatnot is gonna make him is gonna benefit him? Like if he has two schools, school X and school Y how can he figure out, you know, this school seems to be getting hurt more than this one. Or um, how is the strength program or whatnot? What, what 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 facts and tips can we give these guys to kind of make them better? Well,
0: that's an, an awesome point you brought up, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. I, I think that the the biggest thing is to do your due diligence and your research, right? And, and you have to go a little beyond, but, but talk to your players, right? I think the best thing you can do, and this is, again, to guys that are already at the school, I think it's it's part of your um you know abilities to, to kind of answer those things and again we might end up in a sticky situation because if you're a highly touted uh recruit you know and and you got to go take a player out and give him the treatment uh if you will when you first get there
1: and we all know um, what that means yep, you gotta you make know, sure he gets recruited that's part of your you job know,
0: so you know i i think that it's something that you you should be you should be aware of those things and, and you should ask the questions you know what's the injuries what's What's going on, you know, because it is your career, you know, and, and it, it might rub some people the wrong way. But I also think, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit on yours with the introduction of, of getting paid now for likeness. It's also you have you have money on the. not only is it gonna be life changing, right? It is no longer, you know, a student athlete education is priceless and all that stuff, which is important, but it's now money, right? So now I have to say, okay, where, where can I go to a school to make sure that I'm healthy so that I can become successful at this school so that I can set myself up for the future of taking care of my family and, and kind of progressing me and, 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 you know, my future. So I think a hundred percent, you know, I, that has to be part of the conversation now because no longer is it, am I going to, you know, not be banged up enough to go to the next level. It's okay. Coming in as a freshman, where can I go Uh, to make the biggest impact, but also where's the place that's going to keep me healthiest to make sure that, you know, I have the opportunity to, to maybe make some money while I'm in college. And again, I I don't want to emphasize, you should be picking colleges to make money, but with that introduction of being paid to play now for likeness, and because of your abilities and the things that you're doing now at the college level, and not just at the professional level, I think it's important. How can I do that? And one of the things I think is, is to ask the players, you know, ask the, the coaches maybe on your own uh, to kind of do that, that information. And again, people are going to be reluctant. And, and I think, you know, they want you to go to their school and it's still going to be a game of, you know, which place is better and, and, and those things that go into that. But I think, you know, just as a player and, and anybody that's, that's doing that right now, you know, if you're junior senior and and you're coming out and you're given sport, I think it's just doing research, you know, maybe look at, um, you know, maybe go into to maybe players that aren't there anymore. You know, maybe that is a better route Ooh, because they have, that. they don't have that, that pressure of, of getting you to come there, you know, again, because that is a real thing, right? It's not, Oh, we just want you to be here. Cause I like you, right. It's, it's, you know, especially at those bigger schools, maybe it's looking up somebody that, that played there for four years or, Hey, you graduated last year. What was your experience like? Right. Because I, I'm not trying to take away or, you know, the recruiting class or, or hurt any colleges, but, it's your career and it's your life. And and again, you know, Roger, you can talk to this. Nobody's going to help you out of those injuries, right? Once you can't throw the ball back to second base anymore, nobody cares. And and I don't want to be negative, but that's how sports works. Once you stop being able to perform at the level that they, they bought you in for, or when you start to have some issues, you're gone, right? You're a number with a last name over it. And when you're done, they'll go get somebody else, right? And I think you touched on it before and and I always, you know, want to bring it up is the politics of professional baseball that aren't talked about. You could be the best player in the world batting 700 if they didn't pay you, you know, a certain amount of money, you're not somebody's golden boy or maybe people don't like you, or the big one that I think isn't talked about, if the guy in front of you got paid a whole lot more money and, you know, he plays the same position, good luck, right? And and it's a sad thing to say, but that's what happens. You know, there's a ton of minor league guys that have the skills and and have the abilities to play, but never got you know found because the guy in front of them got more money and 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 those things, and even the Rule Five Draft, which was made for those specific reasons, sometimes still that is not there because you're not placed in positions to to perform at a high level. And maybe a team doesn't want to take a chance in you because, you know, with the rule five, I don't know if everybody out there listening thoroughly understands, but with the rule five draft is, you know, a club can draft you, but they have to put you up to a level that's either the same or greater than the team that you were currently on. And they have to have confidence in you, uh, in their organization, or you go back to the one in which they, uh, they took you from. So it's, it's a real big commitment based on, uh out of the organization that's going to take you in that draft right i mean i i think the tj tj rivera who played for the mets uh you know his is crazy because the kid played every position played uh i think it was eight maybe seven i think he did everything but pitch and catch uh and you know bat 380 and then you know he he just really didn't get picked up and ended up hurting his elbow and and now he doesn't um doesn't play anymore but but like i said the kid did everything he was supposed to and and he he you know, great person. And, and, you know, he performed at those levels at every level, the kid performed, but he just didn't, uh, didn't catch his, his break. You know, I think he should still be on some big league team somewhere playing a position, but those are the things that happened, but just to bring it in, you know, all together is, uh, you know, now with the the paper pay for play in college, you're, you're seeing the ability to make a living or earn a living based on your abilities as an athlete. Uh, and also while getting an education. So I think it's, it's, you know, more than ever do your due diligence with Instagram, you know, contact guys that are, have been there before, or maybe guys that went on to the next level, ask them about their experience. You know, uh, Roger, you talked about being five, seven and being able to put on muscle fast, but, but maybe not being able to be as flexible, right. Because of the smaller frame, putting on a lot of muscle mass, maybe, you know, going as far as finding a guy with your same body type, right. We talked about it before of, uh, you know, finding a 4A guy or, or somebody that kind of plays like you, right? And then kind of emulating him as we go through the minor leagues and in college, and not just trying to pick out Mike Trout and Bryce Harper, because you're not going to be them nine times out of 10, maybe going on the roster and say, okay, look, here's a pitcher who's six foot four and is 175 pounds. I'm four and 175 pounds, right? We have the same arm slot. We throw from the same side, maybe calling them and saying, hey, what's your experience been, right? What are your What, what kind of, how were you in high school? How did you kind of go through your journey? How was your experience and really trying to figure out if it's a good place for you? Because I, again, I think it's always important as, as Roger said, it's your life and it's your decision. And it is really a life changing experience because I didn't play sports after Juco, but LIU changed my life. Wouldn't be sitting here talking about things and, and doing those things or having the network that I have or the amazing friends and, and, and people of that sort, but it is your life. And because of that, And because of the ability to literally change your life as early as 18 years old now through athletics, I think it's more and more having a checklist, doing your due diligence and talking to people and 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 educating yourself, you know, as as Roger talked about as well, educating yourself in the things that matter and and surrounding yourself with people that can help you.
1: No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I and as you were talking, I thought about. College is the only position and only place where you pick where you go. When you yep. get drafted, you have no choice who gets drafted above yeah, you. Yeah, I
0: bet you really wanted to go to the A's, huh? Oh, uh, uh,
1: <laughs> I wish I would have <laughs> gone just, to. Like, I'm just kidding. Just but no, yeah, but honestly, yeah, like yeah. I wish I would have stayed somewhere here so that I could just drive to spring training yeah. and my parents could come <laughs> see me and all that. But I was happy with the A's because I thought I had a better chance to make it. But um, not only that, but I loved and I, and I'm gonna bring it back for you because guys, I mean, I don't know if you guys realize, but that was gold what he brought up. You're a DM away from anybody. Go figure it out. Like, go look at the roster, see what these guys are doing. Look look them up on Instagram. That's the beauty. We can choose social media for good or bad. We can DM anybody. Maybe they answer, maybe they don't. What's the opposite? If they don't answer, what was the alternative? If you didn't send them a message, same thing, you didn't talk to them. But if they did, you're able to get some information. And the other thing that I would also say is in these visits that you have, talk to the coach. Say, hey, I would like to talk to the strength coach. Talk to the strength coach and talk to the players do all three of these stories match up? If they don't, there's something fishy because it should all be straightforward. So put that together. You know, you, again, it's your career. You got to And, and and you brought up a point where you're like, you know, I'm not trying to ruin anyone's um, recruiting class. I think our responsibility is for, it's for the, the game. And I think our responsibility is for the players that are trying to get better. So I'll always say, um, whatever I say is for, you know, to help you guys out, to help the, the guys be better. It's, you know, and, baseball is a business, um, college recruiting, college scouting, it's sales. If you talk to any recruiter, they're a salesman and that's part of their job. You know, they're, they're competing against other schools. So make sure that, you know, you do what you need to do to better off your career, your life, because like we keep saying, it's going to change your life.
0: Absolutely. And again, exactly. We're not, we're not trying to, uh, you know, hinder the process, but it's your life. You're an individual and you should be able to choose where you want to be. And again. Between me and, and, and Roger's story, it's it's events are life-changing or terrible, right? If I would have went to Plattsburgh, nothing against Plattsburgh, but it's up next to Canada and it's zero degrees out in September, we wouldn't have this conversation, right? It's, it's you know, there are, and, and again, you know, not to get too um, philosophical, but there are certain events in your life that will change it or hinder it, right? It's always a big thing, right? There is there is very few uh, places in life, but there are certain times in life where you have to choose Left or right, and it's, it's going to shape the kind of the rest of your life and, and how things go, uh, you know, in, until you're done on earth. And, and I think that not to get too crazy, you know, with that decision, but but you never know what will happen, you know, like I said. And, and the choice of college, it starts with that, right? We don't really get to choose where to go to high school, right? I know there's private schools and moving, but but as Roger said, high you know, college is really that last place that you really get to choose what happens, right? Because even the minor leagues, you can play your ass off and, you know, bet 500, you might not move up. It's, you know, not, you know, that's what happens there. It becomes a business and it becomes numbers and and all those things, but college is that last place. And, and, you know, you have to start, you know, take responsibility, what I'm going to do, who I'm going to be around, what do I want my future to look like? Right. And at the end of the day too, and, and Roger, you know, you, you retired a little, you know, earlier, you didn't spend a whole time, but you made that decision. Hey, I did it right. I proved to myself I can be here. I can play at this level, right? College may have not went the, the the correct way or the way I thought it would be, but now it's it's kind of time for me to move on and 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 go and do something that is going to you know fill me with passion again, but also be able to help people and and provide for for me in the future. And making that decision to retire, which which I imagine is it was wasn't an easy decision. But again, you were taking it in your life, right? Because even let's say, right, even if you maybe wasted, you talked about before, five years to make it to the big leagues right now, I'm sure you would love to do that. But again, at what cost, right? Because then you would have came out at an older age, you know, we can't go be an MD or you don't get an MD to your 40, 45. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big change, right? So I, I always look at those things, right? And, and I've always, you know, had friends as well. Some people quit athletics early, and they're like, oh, but you can still, yeah, but is that what you really want? Right. So I think the to round all up what we've been talking about over the last you know 20 minutes or so, where basically the whole thing is just be aware of the decisions, how important they are, you know, and, and that you truly can decide what happens, right? And 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 although it doesn't seem that big of a deal, it it chooses itself, right? And that might be as easy as I can't get in here because of my SATs, so I had to go here. But you know, because yeah. I remember just to touch on it again. When I got out of high school, because I didn't care about high school, I was all mad and and angry that I went to JUCO. What did JUCO do? I didn't have the loans of a big school, and I was able to kind of find my way around college without spending fifty thousand dollars. And at the same time, you know, I, I was able to to continue my sporting career for a little bit longer and then realized that it was a lot of fun. It was great, but but now it's time to move on and and kind of do other things, you know, towards my future. But the point of all that is is that you know, you never know where you're going to go, but but always make sure that the decision is yours, right? Especially college. If you're at Ooh. that echelon where you're, you know, your grades are good, you're in good position, and you can go anywhere. It's your decision, man. It's not, you know, where do you want to go? Where do you want to be exposed? Where do you see yourself living? And, and, and kind of experience everything and and be open to everything right even though you have your heart set on right i'm sure you know we could go dive deeper maybe maybe in another podcast but heart set on miami right hometown thing Uh kind of play in front of and then you know things end up happening where we end up you know leaving and and going somewhere else but the point of that is is that everything doesn't work out the way it usually you know it does and and nine times out of ten everything pivots but at least if you're confident in your decisions and you did everything you can to kind of make that decision work or you know, do all the research beforehand, I, I think it's very, very important because we don't have regrets, right? And then we're able to pivot. We Okay, this was the best choice at this time. This didn't work out like I envisioned it, but now let me do the same thing. Let me do my due diligence. Let me pivot and, and let me look for another opportunity to kind of better my future, regardless if that's in athletics or in the academic world or in a profession
1: absolutely 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 and one thing i'll add to that and we is um wherever you're at make sure you continuously are are watering your friendships yep and watering your network um i actually posted a a little thing today that it was just kind of i think i misspelled it because i'm awful at grammar but it was supposed to be no it's
0: not your fault there's no spell check on instagram mark zuckerberg if you're listening and you're you're flagging my content put some spell check in the Instagram so I don't have to worry about checking my things when I'm making up stories because nothing drives me crazier and I know it's probably on me but when you make a post you tag all the people you want you got your hashtags the music's right and then you post it and you realize that you spelt something wrong. And then we have to take it off of all the social medias. And then and we it have took to so long to do it. Nope, it took exactly. So long. You go on Canva and you have the new thing and it's interactive and there's music and your pictures are flying in and out like Star Wars. And it's beautiful to the eye. But then we misspelled the word the, and then we have to go back into things.
1: Yeah. 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 No, I tell totally you it. And what I wrote was it was supposed to be what, you know, versus the, your network. And the older I get, the more I realize that your network is so much more important. The people Absolutely. you know will put you in positions that you have no idea what they'll do, so continuously water your friendship because there will change your life and i and I and you know the the impact you leave on the people around you will change your life you don't you don't think it will happen later on in life, but it will, and everybody's watching at some point, so have good character.
0: Absolutely. And Roger, I think we're going to end it right there. Uh, we'll definitely do a part two and have you back. But I, I, I just love that message. And I think it's, it's a perfect time to uh, kind of end it. And I know you got another podcast coming up. But uh, real quick, um, where can everyone find you listening? Where's the best place to to get more information and, and to also listen to that that podcast of yours, which is phenomenal, folks. If you have the chance, uh, have some time after you're done listening to mine, of course, uh, go on there and, and definitely listen to his uh, great information there. But Roger, what's that Instagram and, and what's the the podcast name? What's that information?
1: Yeah, so I got a couple of different things. So I have um, I'm creating the, the the podcast itself, which is called Roger Gets Real, and and there is where I'll have just everything podcast. So if you're a podcast person, that's where it's going to be. Um, And then I have the reps with Raj page and what that page will have is everything that's not podcast that has to do with baseball. So if it's hitting lessons, catching lessons, pitching lessons, talking about recruiting, all that kind of stuff will be at the reps with Raj page. And then there's my own personal page, which if you go there, you can find it um but those are the main two things if you're interested in the podcast the podcast is all baseball so everything baseball so if you're if you're a mom trying to figure out how to deal with college recruiting to if you're a player trying to figure out the mental side of the game it will all be there i'm bringing in big leaguers minor league guys agents psychologists doctors nutritionists everything strength coaches um and we're i'm creating this platform for as we talked earlier today there's lack of knowledge out there. And I think it's my responsibility to bring that knowledge to you guys. So thank you for having me. Um, it was a pleasure. I love talking to you, man. I mean, we we've only really known each other for like three weeks, yeah. but I feel like we've known each other for years. I mean, we can connect we're, we're both on the same flow and yeah, man, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And it was an honor and a pleasure.
0: Absolutely, man. And, and thank you for coming on again, man. And, and everybody out there, you know, be sure to check those things out. And, and, you know, I had the pleasure of being on the podcast as well. Great. Uh, great resource, right, for anybody that, that wants to know any all things baseball, all the things we talked about today. Uh, everybody be sure to check my Instagram uh, for all the latest updates on the podcast. This one will be out in about two weeks. Uh, and all the information that Roger just provided us with, I will put in the post for uh, episode number 52 uh, on the podcast. Uh, I will make sure everybody gets that information. And once again, uh, as we've talked about, you know, it's your life, your decisions shape your life. Uh, never forget your network. Always grow. I, I think that's great what Roger put in. Always keep striving to be the best. And remember, um, you know, don't put yourself in a box. You can live anywhere you want. You can do anything you want. Uh, you can turn it into a business and, you know, just continue to, to have a purpose. If you haven't found that purpose, don't get discouraged. Uh, make sure that, you know, you're continuously looking because once you find the purpose, you know, it will hit you like a ton of bricks and you'll wonder why you haven't done it for years. And, you know, just to what Roger said, um, always network, you know, always water your network. I think it's phenomenal and always continue to grow that network tree because those are the people that are going to help you, right? Your purpose is a goal, but by yourself, we're almost powerless, right? We're always only going to be as good as the people that we put around us.
1: Amen. 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 Amen.